0: NASCAR Weekend Preview, and uh, tonight we are previewing both the races at Darlington Raceway for NASCAR's Top 3 Series and at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway for the ArCA East. Joining me shortly will be our co-host, Jay Huseman, but that's he's here now, so I'll bring him into the queue. Uh, welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Uh, excited to be here. Another great Thursday night. Big re- weekend of racing action. Uh, full house there at Darlington for the top three series. And then you were just talking about Nashville as well with the Arca East.
0: Yes. So we're going to have uh, a lot to talk about here. In the first half hour, we'll talk. We'll uh, bring up some short track news that's in on the web right now, and then we'll also do that Arca East preview along with a couple of updates for the Arca Menard Series and the Arca West. At 9 o'clock, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame uh, uh, Class of 2023 uh, that was recently announced this week to give our thoughts about that. At about 9.15, we'll get into the Truck Series preview at Darlington, and at 9.30 – We'll get into both the Xfinity and then the Cup Series preview at Darlington as well. Uh, At 10 o'clock, it's time for our NASCAR Hot topic sound off, so it should be a fun show here today. And uh, Jay, let's go ahead and get started with some short track news.
1: All right. Where would you like to start? Because again, we got action all over the place uh, when it comes to short (laughs) track news if you check out Racing America. Uh, yeah, let's there, go ahead and
0: start there. Any any topic you want to bring up uh, to begin with?
1: Well, we got the uh, Pro Late Model 100, which will be at Nashville Fairgrounds on coming up on the 8th, and I believe that is one that William Byron is also going to be participating in. I know he's got a race coming up here um, at uh, Nashville. Let me see if this one, both of these articles up on, uh racing America. Let me see if that that one that, the 100 is the one that uh William Byron's going to be in.
0: Yeah, let me uh get back to that. William Byron uh he's uh excited about uh, the fact that they're returning to the Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh he he'd love to see uh NASCAR uh the uh, cup series be a part of that NASCAR Fairground Speedway.
1: Yeah, I know that's the goal, and, and drivers like this taking a, participating in events and showing that they can draw a crowd, uh certainly go a long ways in doing so um, for that kind of proof, if you will, to show that it, it can support it. So I think that's a, a big thing that William Byron's playing a part in. Uh, Obviously, he's doing it for fun and as well as his own improvement as a driver, but uh, there's other benefits to it all the time.
0: Yes, (laughs) and uh, we've talked about that uh, quite a few times about the benefits of having NASCAR drivers race in these other series, uh, not just for the driver themselves, uh, but for the other drivers that are on the track. So uh, it's going to be fun and uh, we'll look forward to talking about that uh, when we go. Uh, Did you say he's on the entry list for the ARCA race?
1: Okay, no, not for the ARCA East, for a late model race, and this one says the 2022 North-South Super Late Model Challenge, um, which is also different than the um, previous race I'd mentioned there uh, coming up as well, the 100.
0: Okay, so uh, that's... uh, that's what i think is uh, going to be really uh, interesting too the prolate models uh is is a really uh, big series across the country at several different racetracks and several different series uh so yeah this is going to be uh, uh a really uh, a good one to watch for race fans uh, i'd like to see william
1: I was going to say, I'd like like to see other drivers. I know Jeff Gordon challenged the Hendrick Motorsports drivers. We've seen Kyle Busch do it. We'll see if this leads to more drivers being out and being active, though.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool. Ken Schrader, that's a name from the past. He's
1: going to be racing in the Superstar
0: Racing Experience, otherwise known as SRX. Uh, And he's going to be joining the competition at I-55 Raceway On July the 16th, so uh, uh, NASCAR veteran uh, Schrader is going to join other full-time drivers, Paul Tracy, Ryan hunter Ray, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman, Marco Andretti, Michael Waltrip, Greg
1: Biffle, and Tony
0: Stewart. So very cool to see that happening.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, when you talk about grassroots racing and talking about Ken Schrader, He is one of those that can race nine races in a 70-day period over a week. Uh, I've known him, seen him do it, of run multiple in a day. Uh, Back when it was the American Speed Association, the ASA up in Minnesota, he would come practice or qualify the car in the mid-morning to afternoon, go somewhere else, race a dirt car, come back Sunday, run that race, race somewhere Sunday night, and then be in another state on Monday. I mean, just unbelievable the amount of racing he still does.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, You know, we talk a lot about uh, the Grays as well in racing. Well, there's another Gray that's going to be preparing for their first start, and it will be at Millbridge. Uh, Delaney Gray is preparing to embark on a new challenge in her young career. There's a great article about that here. Uh, just a few weeks after winning her first Bandolero race at uh, Goodyear All American Speedway, Delaney Gray is now preparing to embark upon a new challenge in her young car career. Starting next month, she'll get her first taste of dirt track competition uh, because she's going to begin as she begins testing box stock box stock winged carts at Millbridge. Speedway, the goal of making her official debut at the track later this year. So, again, uh, a really uh, great article there about a young female racer coming up the ranks here.
1: And there's one, something I take take from that is to see the variety. I mean, you talk about the Bandoleros. Um, a lot of drivers we know at the, at the cup level have come through that series there with Charlotte. But then to step and go to dirt um, shows the, the range. And capability, so I think that's a, a good thing to expand your, your capabilities, um, find your groove and niche uh, when it comes to racing, um, and it certainly builds to uh, just a better driver, uh, as we've seen at the cup level. Uh, several of them have talked about that, so that's really cool to see her doing that.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. Uh,
1: and also, you were talking about other people coming in,
0: coming from NASCAR, and uh you know, getting involved in sports, uh, other series. Well, Tyler Reddick's Cup Series spotter, Derek Nealon, uh, is, uh, kind of moonlighting as a super light model racer. So another, uh, series that's all over the country. And again, another great article over at Racing America about Derek Nealon.
1: You know, this one's interesting. When we talk about a crew chief, a lot of times we hear crew chiefs. Um, that do it and what it then helps them bring to the team. It does for a spotter too. And you talked about it it being a team sport and we highlight spotters most at super speedways, but there's other tracks as well, especially when it comes to short tracks. A spotter being in the car and in a race wanting to know, I know at certain levels they aren't allowed to have a spotter, um, but being in the car, what he'd want to hear and know and when. Um, you know, when to talk to a driver, when not to. Uh, so the what it builds and brings all the way to the cup level and just the knowledge of racing, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of these guys just do it for fun. It's a hobby, but there's so much experience that they can then bring and make their team better, even in their role as a spotter.
0: Well, so often drivers uh, that have raced in some of these series go on to become spotters. Uh, it, you know, if their careers not advancing uh, to the Cup level or to the NASCAR levels, they'll they'll be spotters for other drivers. Uh, you know, drivers that have kind of developed a relationship uh, with other drivers, kind of like the idea of having a driver be their spotter. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I I think this is always a good thing, um, and. It says he wasn't done with racing altogether, but he spent uh, years spotting for his friend Corey Williams across New England. Uh, So he's one of these people that was a former driver, and now he's uh, decided to kind of go back to it a little bit.
1: When we talk about that, the the relationship you have with your spotter is, I say almost as key as with your crew chief, like I said, if and we've heard it on uh, Radioactive a couple of times when a driver is like, hey, don't tell me that now, or I don't care about this, I don't care about that, so that's another relationship that is really important, and you got to get on the same page timing and information, what they want, when they want it, so I, I think that a, a spotter doing some driving, and you mentioned either drivers that aren't uh, progressing uh, or drivers that have gotten out. I I think of some of the older drivers um, that have retired from driving. Rick Carelli coming to mind, I know is one um, that are, and you're right. I do think that they maybe do make a little bit better spotters.
0: Okay. So just something, some articles over at racing America for you to check out. Um, And, uh, there's some more over at Flow Racing. If you look at the news stream over there, they have quite a lot of uh, great articles there as well, uh, including the Defending Arkham Menard Series uh, camp looking for more uh, guitars in uh, Music City. So Sammy Smith didn't win last week out at uh, Dover, But uh, he's looking to make a rebound at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway this weekend.
1: I'm sorry, did you say Sammy Smith didn't win a race? Uh, That's the first we've had to say that this year.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. But it happened last week at Dover.
1: Uh, That was was an excellent race. And I know we're going to preview that here in a little bit, the uh, upcoming race at um, Nashville. but. You mentioned Flow Racing. Uh, again, I can't say enough about it. Uh, very happy to see them provide such a platform, as well as Racing America does, uh, if you want to stream the the races.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, Kaylee Bryson is making a USAC Silver Crown debut at Port Royal. Uh, she uh, makes her first ever appearance at Pennsylvania's Port Royal uh, Speedway coming up. And also, Peyton Sellers takes an early lead in the NASCAR Weekly National Series standings. Uh, That's a name that we've heard. Uh, He's uh, made a few starts in the Xfinity or the uh, Truck Series, uh, but he's racing that weekly uh, National Series uh, as well. And this is going to be a fun one to watch with him taking the lead so early.
1: It it is, uh, and you got to love these close points battle. And I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself already with the uh, the Arkham Nards East. Uh, just w- waiting to talk about that. But when you look at these short tracks, your touring series, I know is another big one that you get to see some great points battle week in and week out. That really adds to the excitement level of these series.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, there is an article there, a weekly preview, NASCAR Roots on Glow Racing, uh, and they, they bring up the season opener at Autodrome, uh, Granby. Uh, they also bring up on Saturday the Arkham-Magnard Series East Race at Nashville. Opening day at Riverhead Raceway is uh, listed here, as well as uh, an opening also at Jennerstown Speedway. Uh, the super late models at Berlin Raceway. Twin late model features at Langley. And at Hickory Motor Speedway, uh, late models at Florence Speedway, the modified at Bowman Gray, the winged spring cars at Meridian. I thought this was going to be short. There's no way. Okay, and the pro late models at Evergreen Speedway. Uh, I think that's the last one that they mentioned here, but they give a, a little bit of info on each one of those. So, that's pretty cool to see them doing
1: that as well.
0: Kind of a new note we'll for racing.
1: Yeah, Flow Racing is doing such a great job with with covering the the grassroots racing, and I think of the opportunities. If it's a series or style of racing or a track you're not able to go to or aren't familiar with, you can check it out before you decide to make the trip. Uh, And I just think about, like, Bowman Gray. Uh, I already know I want to go there, but to get to see some action when I can't. um, Or tracks I'd never heard of. You get to watch cars on certain tracks, as well as in, like I said, series that you're not familiar with. Uh, they provide such great information.
0: They really do. They really do. We're going to have to move on, though, to the Ackerman Art Series East. Oh, Racing Act, we mentioned it a couple of times, it's the Music City Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And uh, uh, last week, as we mentioned, it was Taylor Gray winning at Dover Motor Speedway uh, the first time this year that uh, anyone other – Then Sammy Smith has won a race, so it's going to be fun to see what happens this weekend in the Music City 200. Uh, It will take place Saturday, May the 7th, at 8 Eastern, and uh, the delay uh, broadcast will be on USA on Monday, May 16th, at 1 p.m. Eastern, if you want to set your DVR. Uh, On Saturday, uh, you will be able to watch the live stream of the race at Flow Racing. And then there will also be radio coverage available available at ArcaRacing.com. Now, this is a .596-mile paved oval. Uh, They'll be racing 200 laps. Saturday, May 7th, uh, practice starts at 1.30 until 2.45 p.m. local time and qualifying at 4.15 p.m. Central. Uh, The race, as we mentioned earlier, starts at 8.30 p.m. and will be live-streamed on slow racing, but let's give some uh, background here.
1: All right. Did you want to work off the, uh what is it, the pit box here on the uh, mm-hmm. Arkham Menards mm-hmm. page or off of uh, the notes you sent me? Okay.
0: Well, um, a little bit of both. Let's go through the pit okay. box first.
1: All right. Uh Again, the Music City is welcoming them in the E-Series back to Nashville Fairground Speedway after they inv- invaded uh, Dover Motor Speedway last Friday. The Arkham Menards East drivers and teams set for a quick turnaround as they go to Nashville, Tennessee for this Music City 200 and the Nashville Fairgrounds. Now, with three races down and four to go, that battle for the Arkham Menards East, East Championship, tightening up as we head into the Music City 200 this Saturday at Nashville Fairgrounds, mentioned uh, Sammy Smith, defending East Series champion, defending Nashville race winner, continues to lead the standings. However, Sharon mentioned his lead shrunk following Taylor Taylor Gray's dominant victory at Dover this previous weekend.
0: Yep, the two drivers are now separated by just two points, uh, but they're going to be joined at the racetrack uh, by last year's Nashville surprise, Mason Mingus. He started from the pole last year and led 56 laps, before he ultimately finished third. This year, he's expected to be aboard Jeff McClure's number 44 Ford for the Music City 200.
1: After and com- then after competing... competing at- oh, go
0: ahead. Okay. okay, after competing for Venturini Motorsports last week at Dover Motor Speedway, Jake Finch is also battered race of the year. This time, he'll be in his family-owned number one Chevrolet.
1: Both drivers you definitely want to watch this weekend. Uh, one driver, though, expected to make his Arkham Ards platform debut on Saturday is a local driver, Nashville driver Tanner Arms, uh, who scheduled to pilot the number 95 Toyota for owner Mark Noble. Uh, and we also got Ashton Higgins. He made his E-Series debut in March at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. He's also expected to be in attendance on Saturday evening.
0: Uh, some other expected entries include Leland Honeyman, uh, Christian Rose, who we had on our show Monday night, Michael Lira, uh, he's been on our show a few times from years past, uh, Donald C D., among others. Uh, so the complete entry list is available at arcaracing.com. Uh, but uh, going, let's go two by two on these other news and notes that I sent.
1: All right, uh, go ahead and start. I'm trying to pull it up where you sent that to me. Taylor Gray
0: became the 124th winner in the Arkham and Arts Series East history with his victory in the General Tire 125 at Dover Motor Speedway. Gray also earned the General Tire Pole Award in qualifying earlier in the day, his career first, and he became the 133rd driver since 1987 to win an East Series pole, To win an East Series pole. Wow. Uh, Gray's win combined with a fifth-place finish by defending East champion and defending Nashville winner Sammy Smith allowed Gray to cut 10 points off of Smith's lead in the series' standings. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, he's now just two points out of the lead, and there are four races left on the schedule. So this is going to be a fun one to watch.
1: Uh, Gray's win is also the first for the new 2022 Ford Mustang body style on the Arkham Ard Series platform. and The Ford Fusion has been the only approved Ford body style since the move to composite bodies in 2015. So the Mustang's victory in its debut race is not the first time a Ford Mustang has won the Arkham Ard Series platform, as we have three-time series champion Ron Hutcherson won several short track races in the Mustang during that pony car era of the arkham menard series back in the mid 1970s we got six drivers who have scored their career best east series finishes at dover uh taylor gray who is runner-up or taylor gray being one of them runner-up and two-time west series champion jesse love place finish connor jones in a sixth place mentioned J- uh, jake finch he was in seventh and jonathan schaefer uh Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I, let me back up here. Taylor Gray was your winner. That was his best finish. Runner-up was Jesse Love. Third place was Connor Jones. Sixth place, Jake Finch. Seventh place was Jonathan Schaefer. And then 13th place was Tommy V. Jr. Uh, those were all their best career finishes for the Arkham and RZ series.
0: Yeah, that was really cool to see the different names on that list. The Arca Menard Series East has raced at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway three previous times. Rogelio Lopez won the series' first race at the five eight Mile Bank Oval in 2007. Mike Kobielak won in 2008. And the series returned the first, for the first time in 13 years in 2021 with Sammy Smith scoring that win. Uh, But it's Mason Minkus who set the track record in qualifying last year in the Music City 200. His timing was at 19.504 seconds, which is an average 110.008 miles per hour. Minkus, from nearby Brentwood, Tennessee, returns to the series this week, uh, driving again with team owner Clark in the number 44 Ford.
1: Well, I tell you what, I saw him racing that All American 400. They, uh, he's going to be mm-hmm. some stiff competition. So <laughs> now, Sammy Smith's dominant victory last year, uh, which he came down from a, came back from a lap down under green to retake the lead, also resulted in a track record, a 91.438 miles per hour average speed. Now, we mentioned Sammy Smith, Taylor Gray. They're only, the only two drivers to have scored top five finishes in all three E-Series races so far this season. And that leads to that tight points battle we talked about.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Smith, Gray, and Leland Honeyman are the only drivers to have scored top ten finishes in all three East Series races so far this season as well. And Smith enters the Music City 200 as a series point leader uh, for the second consecutive season. He has made 11 starts at, uh, and has 10 top five finishes. His only finish outside the top five was an 18th place finish at Iowa Speedway last July. Those are 11 career series starts for Smith.
1: Are you doing another one?
0: Well, I did the the first one I did. I, I did the Sam Gray and Lila and Honeyman one. Okay. And then I did uh, Smith, Smith enters.
1: enters. <laughs> Smith enters the no, Music we're, City we're 200. Ready, as,
0: we're, we're talking about Gray entering.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Gray enters the Music City 200 there, second in points. Mentioned just two points out of the lead now after his victory. Gray has 13 career East Series starts, now with 10 top five finishes never finishing outside of the top 10. And Christian Rose, uh, we mentioned him, uh, had him on the show a couple times. He jumped into the top five in the series standings with his second top top 10 finish of the season in the General Tire 125 at Dover Motor Speedway. The former Division I college baseball star will also be inducted into the University of Maryland Eastern Shore Walk of Fame for his prowess on the diamond come May 3rd. Now Ross uh, Rose drives Tuesday. for what's that?
0: I said that was this past Tuesday.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Uh Rose Drives for Bruce Cook, whose car was driven to victory by Landon Lewis in the most recent Ark Menards West series at Kern County Raceway Park.
0: Yeah, that Cook Racing Technology has really been doing a fantastic job this season, uh with uh their drivers being in both series. So really cool to see that. Okay, where are we on time here? Um, Do we want to see if we can run down the uh, entry list and mention anyone that has not yet been mentioned?
1: (laughs) Okay, uh, starting at the bottom, uh, coming from – make sure I'm on the Nashville line up here. Okay, you're going to have to start. I'm on the Kern County one, not the Nashville one for some okay.
0: Reason. Uh Okay, and the 06 is Nate Moeller from Lafayette, Ohio. He's driving the great railing Chevrolet with Wayne Peterson racing, and Wayne Peterson will be on top of his pit box. Uh, Andrew Abbott is on top of the pit box for the Young's uh, LH Waterfront Construction Chevrolet. And from Mooresville, North Carolina, it will be Leland Honeyman behind the wheel of the 02.
1: All right, we got Stephanie Moyer in the 01 Hillenburg Toyota. Mike Schraufe uh, as the crew chief. Mentioned Tanner Arms making his uh, debut coming out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee for uh, the Noble, Mark Noble Toyota team. David Noble will be the crew chief of the number 95.
0: Driving the number 74 is Donald Thietti. He's from Quebec, Canada. He'll be driving the uh, uh, Marie Benavento Toyota. John Viscati will be on top of the pit box. And John Holmes is on top of the pit box for the Josh Williams Chevrolet JW Motorsports. Uh, And it'll be Michael Lira behind the wheel of the number 60. He hails from Port Orange, Florida.
1: Mentioned Ashton Higgins driving for his own number 49 Toyota, Tony Ponkasis uh, as the crew chief out of Weaverville, North Carolina, and then Brad Smith, another cell phone team in Chevrolet, Carl Brown the crew chief for him, and he is one of six drivers that have made all three starts.
0: Yes, indeed. We mentioned Mason Mingus being behind the wheel of the number 44, hailing from Brentwood, Tennessee. He'll be driving the team construction Ford for Jeff McClure, and Jeff will be his crew chief as well. Sean Samuels is the crew chief for the Bruce Cook Toyota, driven by Christian Rose, on the West Virginia Tourism, uh, hashtag almost seven, uh, and he'll be in that number 42.
1: Uh, Matt Wilson is going to be in the number 22 Chevrolet for Eric Caldell, Jeremy Petty uh, as the crew chief. And we've talked about Sammy Smith a lot. He comes from Johnston, Iowa. Driving the number 18, it is a Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, Toyota. Crew chief is Mark McFarland.
0: And last week's winner, Taylor Gray,
1: will be back in the number 17 DGR Ford
0: for David Gilliland, and Chad Johnston is on top of the pit box. Tim Monroe, Monroe from Elmwood, Illinois, will be back in the number 12 fast track high-performance driving Chevrolet uh, by Hillenburg. Uh, no crew chief announced at this point.
1: Dick and DeHaan- Dick DeHaney is the crew chief, though, for the Hillenburg Ford number 11. That'll be Rylan Roulette. <laughs> uh out of minot north dakota and then uh, the other Hillenburg toyota that one's going to be crew chief by tony constantino with uh tony driving himself uh, coming out of mansfield ohio
0: okay and we mentioned jake finch uh he is uh, out of lake haven Florida. He'll be driving the number one Phoenix Construction Chevrolet for James Finch. That's a familiar name. Uh, and Johnny Allen will be on top of the pucket Kip Box there. All okay. right. Another big
1: field. I believe there are 18 of them listed. Uh, if I did that math correct.
0: Yes, indeed. It's it's really cool uh, to see uh you know these guys uh racing as well as they are and the competition getting a little bit tougher in uh the in the uh Arca Monarchies uh competition so uh i can't wait to see what happens this weekend out in nashville okay we're going to move on and talk a little bit about uh the uh new class for the NASCAR Hall of Fame Uh, for 2023. Matt Kenseth, Sheryl Mardine, and Herschel McGriff are in that class. Uh, And uh, that was after the NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, industry panel voted this week. Uh, But that also includes longtime NASCAR executive Mike Hilton uh, was also named a recipient of the Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions to NASCAR during the announcements made by NASCAR's Chief Operating Officer, Steve O'Donnell, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in North Carolina. So, uh, T- Kansas and Shelmerdine were voted into the Hall of Fame from a group of 10 nominees that were announced just this uh, year, uh, and uh, they met in person for the first time since 2019 because of... Uh, uh, all of the pandemic. So uh, it, it's really cool that they were able to put this vote. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of info here about um, Matt's career, and then I'll go into the, his perspective.
1: All right. Uh, Ken who led to that modern era vote with uh, 69%, won the NASCAR Cup Series championship back in 2003, which was his fourth full season in competition. His career included 39 victories, which is tied for 21st all-time on the all-time wins list in NASCAR's marquee races, uh, including the Daytona 500 twice, the Southern 500, the Coca-Cola 600, as well as the NASCAR star race. Now, Kansas' championship also had ramifications that remain a part of the sport today, and I don't know if people realize this. Uh, though he led the cup standings for the final 32 events of the 2023 or 2003 season, he won that series title with only one victory, and that was under an older point system. So that contri- uh, contributed to the impetus for the playoff, which was indu- introduced the following year and involved into the elimination format, which is currently in place. And lastly, he's also posted 29 victories in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, which was eighth most of all time.
0: Yeah, quite an impressive career.
1: Uh, Kenseth shared his perspective. He
0: uh, he, he said that uh, in retrospect, his view of his career has changed over the years, and I thought that was interesting. He said, I've slowly been changing my view of my career the longer I've been away from it. When you're in the middle of it, I don't know if it's a good habit or a bad habit, but it always seems to work for me when you're in the middle of it. You agonize over the losses and the mistakes a lot more than the successes and the wins, unfortunately. So I think the longer you're away from it, certainly you start to shift your focus a little bit from having knots in your stomach over losing the Daytona 500." in the last corner, or getting beat by Jimmy Johnson in the last corner way back 15 years ago in Las Vegas. Obviously, I still think about it, or I wouldn't remember it right now. Instead of trying to agonize over some of that stuff and trying to figure out how you're going to be better, you start to change your focus on some of the things that did go right and how extremely fortunate I was to have so many great race teams, crew chiefs, sponsors, owners, and everybody that makes it happen to give me the chance to be successful. I thought that was a really great perspective uh, and a description of what happens when you're in the thick of things versus when you step away from it uh, and you look back, uh, you see things quite a bit differently.
1: We hear several drivers talk about that, of really trying to enjoy and appreciate the victories. When they come, even if you're winning on a hot streak and winning multiple times because you don't know when it could be the last uh, for any number of reasons, you know we've seen just saw Chase Elliott break a uh, I think it was like a twenty nine race streak. So yeah, I think you do learn to like he said, Matt Kenseth said, I think Jeff Gordon said it as well in the latter part of his stages, being that he came out on such as uh, on fire when he was younger, that you really do need to learn to appreciate each and every week. Uh, just that you're out there and, and, and Matt Kenseth uh, gave a shout out to the team's crew chief sponsors
0: um, mm-hmm. as well as owners Yeah, I thought that was really cool Okay, now we'll, we'll talk about Shalmerdain's Scho- Scho- career and he had an impressive career as well
1: Yeah, Scho- Mardine, uh posted his first win as a crew chief in 1983 at Riverside, California coming with uh, one of, I consider a legend, Ricky Rudd. Uh, that was the start of a long scheme of uh, success at Richard Childress Racing, where Shalmerdine won championships along with NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt in 1986, 87, 90, and 91. In the 1987 season, that was a watershed campaign for the crew chief from Philadelphia. That Earnhardt-Shalmerdine pairing won 11 races, posted 21 top 5s and 24 top 10s in 29 starts. That's amazing. <laughs> now Shauberning Shel- Shel- to Shel- took the con- Okay, I was going to do that and then if you wanted to do his the uh, Yeah, that's um, fine. Okay. Uh Shauberning took the concept of early retirement to an extreme. Uh, in 1992 he was only 34 he left his role as crew chief to try his hand at driving. All told, Shelmerding made 41 starts across NASCAR's top three national series. In 50 Arkham Menard series races, from 93 to 2008, Shelmerdine claimed three victories and finished in the top five 14 times. He was named on 52% of the ballots during this Hall of Fame voting.
0: Yes indeed. So that that was really kinda of cool as well. Herschel McGriff is the other driver uh that uh, was uh elected. Uh McGriff turned ninety four in December. He competed in NASCAR races over seven decades, starting in nineteen fifty Southern five hundred and Kellington Raceway
1: and ending
0: with the two thousand eighteen Canon Pro Series West Race at Tucson at the age of 90. I think I remember that race. And I hear his name a lot when it comes to the Canon Pro Series. He's, he had numerous records in that series. In 1954, McGriff picked up his only four victories in the Cup Series at San Mateo, Mac- Macon, Charlotte, and North Wilkesboro. The driver, Bridal Bale, Oregon, distinguished himself on the West Coast, winning 37 times, third all-time in what is now the Ackerman Arts West Series, and earning the championship in 1986. Uh, McGriff was participating in the Kyle Petty charity ride when his name was called, so he didn't even get the official word until the motorcycle riders stopped for fuel. So that was kind of cool that uh, he was totally unaware Uh, But when they stopped for fuel is when he found out that he had been elected into the NASCAR Hall of Fame for this year. Jay, are you still here? Did I lose Jay?
1: No, sorry, I was on mute. Um, I was a little surprised uh, when I heard this announcement listening to Sirius XM radio. One of the callers that called in said they had never even heard of the name Herschel McGriff um, but even mm. if you weren't an Arkham uh East West uh, Series follower back then the k n Pro Series he was still known at the cup level um, so I, I don't know what kind of fan they are but it, yeah if you were a fan of NASCAR at all you really had to have heard the name Herschel McGriff before Oh,
0: definitely go ahead I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you
1: no that's fine Uh, The the one thing, the story that comes to my mind when they talk about this Hall of Fame voting is is how they share the stories and some of the things that they did. I remember them talking about a story of back when you used to race the car you drove to the track uh, that he came. And I don't remember where in the northwest, either Oregon or Washington. I mean, he'd drive down here to the southeast, race the car and drive that car back. Uh, You know, I mean, that's the kind of dedication he had to being involved in racing
0: yeah he he was uh, very dedicated and very good uh like i say i remember reading uh many times the different uh tracks that he had uh held records and uh it took many many years for some of these drivers to break some of those records and some of them are still standing so uh he's certainly a deserving driver to be in this uh nascar this class of the nascar hall of fame
1: I couldn't agree more with that. And I know we're, we'll talk about it come uh hot topics. I think that's going to be one of our hot topics tonight, I'm sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and, and I love this story. I borrowed my dad's 1940 Hudson, got a couple of friends to help me, and we finished twelve the 13th, talking about when he started uh, racing. Uh, he said he couldn't go full-time because he had to raise a family. Uh, I started when they didn't have co- car- go-karts, so we just drove streetcars. <laughs> right after World War II on September 16th of 1945, I ran my first race on a dirt track. And that's when he talks about borrowing his dad's 1940 Hudson. And in his first race, he finished off
1: the 13th. I, I think that's a great story. And that's that's what understanding that era, <laughs> that time frame. Um, talking about the the different things they went to racing your street car. Like I said, I I hear so many stories, and and I love to hear the old stories like that, of driving the car to the track, racing it. If you had to work on it, you had to fix it before you drove home because that was your ride home.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. Now, Mike Helton had a very
1: distinguished
0: career as well. Uh, When Helton was named the NASCAR presidency, in 2000, he was the first person outside of the founding family, uh, the France family, to hold that position. Helton began his nearly five-decade-long career in motorsports as the public relations director for Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, the safety and the competitors has always been front of mind for Mike Helton. Uh, he was the leading voice in NASCAR's commitment to safety and in promoting the creation of the NASCAR Research and Development Center in Concord, North Carolina. He was named vice chairman of NASCAR uh, and serves as a senior advisor to the sanctioning body and has been a driving force in the charitable endeavors of the NASCAR Foundation. So, again, anybody who's followed NASCAR for, for uh you know, the 2000s and, and even before that, Mike Hilton, uh is a well-known name within the NASCAR ranks.
1: And very, very deserving of this award. Uh, I don't know how you could even make an argument for anybody else. I know a lot of people have done a lot of things. Uh, but you mentioned they're taking over presidency of 2000. For me, when, when I came into racing, yes, I was familiar with the France family, but Mike Helton, I mean, was the face of NASCAR Um, Mm -hmm. and and all of it in a a good way. I mean, overall, I know uh, when you talked about uh, drivers, especially Dale Earnhardt, uh, how he got to be friends with Mike Helton was having to go into the big red holler to see him and talk to him, which was not a a good visit. But uh, from that, they actually developed a friendship. So and that was the kind of person he was.
0: Yes. Yes, it it, uh, really is kind of cool. Now, uh, some people were saying, too, that they didn't expect Matt Kenseth to make it into the Hall of Fame uh, the same year that he was nominated, Uh, but it happened. And uh, I think for all the reasons that they outlined uh, in the press release, I think that that is uh, another deserving driver to be uh, a member of that NASCAR Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, I know
1: we'll talk about it later on too, but I
0: was just going to
1: say I I certainly share them (laughs) when it comes to hot topics. I was a little surprised. Uh, You know, every driver that's on the list is deserving of the nomination. So to go in though on the first term ballot, uh, I don't not sure I would have seen that coming. Um, And again, I'll expound on that when we get to hot topics.
0: Okay, so stay tuned for hot topics coming up at 10 p m eastern time uh, now we'll get into the uh, uh, truck series uh, at Darlington Raceway They'll be racing that dead on Tools two hundred at Darlington Raceway this Friday, may the sixth at seven thirty p m Eastern time. Uh, Fox Sports 1 will have the uh, pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. And radio coverage, of course, is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The purse for the Camping World Truck Series, $712,347. They will be racing a distance of 200.1 miles over 147 laps. The first two stages are 45 laps each. Stage one ending on forty lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and the last stage ending on the last lap, for 137 laps, lap 147.
1: Well, when we look at the truck series or the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, the competition has to look out because Ross Chastain is returning to the trucks. <laughs> right now, he's one of the hottest drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series as track house Racing's Ross Chastain. He'll be competing in this NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race Friday, driving the number 41 Nice Motorsport Chevrolet. He'll be collaborating with Crew Chief Cody Afong. Uh, this will be Chast- Ross uh, Chastain's series track debut at Darlington this weekend.
0: Okay, another uh, debut is
1: uh, Akinori Olcada. He's attempting
0: his track truck series debut at Darlington for Rayum Brothers Racing, and he is from Kanagawa, Japan. He'll be piloting the number 43 Chevrolet this weekend at Darlington and attempting to make his season debut, and season and series debut. Oh God has made 12 career NASCAR Camping World Truck Series starts. Uh, he posted a best finish of 18th at New Hampshire in 2015. He also has one career Chuck series start at Darlington. That was last year when he started 23rd. He did end up finishing 34th after being caught in an incident later in the race. So uh, hoping he has better results this season for Okunori Ogata.
1: Well, Sharon, you and I say this all the time, but the Camping World uh, Truck Series is serving up some great racing in 2022. Through six races of this campaign for the Camping World Series 2022 truck schedule, the teams and competitors have been putting on quite the show for fans with five different drivers visiting Victory Lane. Plus, the action at the end of the truck races has been amped up as well with four of the six events concluding with a pass for the win with four laps or less left in each race. Now, three of the six Camping World Truck Series races this season have finished with a margin of victory of less than a second, and the six 2022 season races have produced an average margin of victory of 1.191 seconds. Uh, The closest has been since 2019, which was 0.859 seconds. Now, in addition, the competition at the front of the pack has certainly been intense. Through the six races, the Camping World Truck Series has seen 22 different drivers lead laps for an average of 7.33 liters per race. That's the most since 2008, when it was at that same mark of 7.33. And there were great racing events throughout the entire field as well. These six races have produced 10,950 one total green flag passes, which is the most since the statistic was initially tabulated in two thousand seven. Comes only behind the twenty twenty season, which had eleven thousand six hundred and fourteen total green flag passes.
0: Wow. Okay. There's gonna be uh two former winners that are entered this week at Darlington. That includes Ben Rhodes and uh Bodine. I'm trying to think of his first name. I can't. Todd. Todd Bodine. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, looking to this Friday's Dead on 12-200 uh, at Darlington Raceway, the defending series champion and Thor Sport Racing driver, Ben Rhodes, and two-time series champion uh, from 2006 and 10. Todd Bodine are the only two active winners entered this week. Now, Rhodes uh, won the Camping World Truck Series race at Darlington in 2019. Bodine, uh, Bodine grabbed his trophy back in 2010. Rhodes is also the most recent win- winner in the series, taking the checkered flag at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt on April the 16th. So in six starts this series season, Rhodes has put up one win at Bristol, five top fives. His average finish is 7.5 and Rhodes will be looking to add another win to his stat sheet at Darlington this Friday. He's a Kentucky native and has made three starts at the 1.366 mile track, posting one win in 2019, two top fives, and two top tens. The veteran, Todd Bodine, is returning to the series for his second start of the year with Alamar Friesen Racing. Bodine is piloting the number 62 Toyota. He'll have crew chief Tip Bruce on top of his tip box. And uh, he's making a series uh, series season debut back at uh, Las Vegas um, on, I think that's March 3rd, 4th. He started 23rd and finished 21st. Bodine has made three Truck Series starts at Darlington, uh, which he's posted one win and two top fives.
1: So both of those drivers have some impressive stats there. Speaking of impressive, mention those five different Camping World Truck Series winners in the last five races. Then since the second race of the season, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series has rallied off five different winners And when the series returns this Friday, May 6th at Darlington for the Dead-On Tools 200, uh, could very well see the 6th. we got Thor Sports, mentioned uh, Ben Rhodes, and then Halmar Friesens Racing's Todd Bodine are the only active drivers entered at Darlington Raceway with a Camping World Truck Series win at the 1.366-mile track coming in 2020. The last two Truck Series races at Darlington They've been won by Sheldon Creed uh, after a sweep in 2021. Now, he's moved on full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this season with Rich- Richard Childress Racing. We've got three drivers who are tied for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series best average finish among active drivers at Darlington Raceway, and that's a 5.0. All three looking for their first win of the season. That's Grant Enfinger, John Hunter Nemechek, and Christian Eckes.
0: Definitely uh, three drivers to keep your eye on this weekend, uh, along with the other two that we talked about there. Okay, uh, the youth movement is also evident in the truck series. It's hard to argue that there's not a youth movement uh, in this season in the Camping World Truck Series when the average age of the winners is 22.3. The eldest driver to hoist a trophy this season was at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt with the winner Ben Rhodes, and he's 25 years old. So that's kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, he seems like a veteran now, even though he's still very young. Uh, five different drivers have visited Victory Lane this season in the in the Truck Series. All 25 years or younger. Ben Rhodes is 25. William Byron at 24. Zane Smith is 23. Corey Heim 19, and Chandler Smith is just 20. So, Koyheim is the youngest driver to win this season at 19, and uh, the Kyle Busch Motorsports driver won his first career truck series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's not just the winners this season uh, that are leaning on the younger side of the age spectrum. Uh, the top 10 in the truck series driver standing have an average age. Of 26.5, ranging from the 45-year-old veteran, Matt Crafton, to the 19-year-old rising star, Carson Hosovar. So uh, definitely uh, good arguments there for the youth movement in
1: the truck series. Well, we'll see, though, if the youth can uh, tame Darlington as the trucks return looking for that track that is too tough to tame Darlington Raceway. They've had a couple weeks off. Now the Camping Series is ready to tackle that too-tough-to-tame Darlington Raceway. Again, that'll be tomorrow night, Friday, May 6th, for the Dead-On Tools 200. Darlington Raceway has hosted nine NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races, dating back to the inaugural event on May 12, 2001. First series race at the 1.366 mile track was won by a Dodge, uh, Bobby Hamilton, <laughs> Thor Sport, sorry, that was an editorial comment there, uh, Thor Sport Racing's Matt Crafton, the only driver in the series to make all nine previous starts at uh, Darlington Raceway. Now, the nine races held there produced five different pole winners and six different race winners. Five drivers are tied for the series' most poles at Darlington Raceway with one each. Uh, Jack Sprague in 2001, Jason Leffler in 2002, Carl Edwards was in 04, Timothy Peters did it in 2010, and then Cole Witt in 2011. Now, all drivers are tied for the series' most wins at Darlington with two each. That includes Bobby Hamill 01 and 03, Casey Kane in 04 and 2011, and then mentioned Sheldon Creed with the 2021 sweep. Now, this weekend's race, mentioned, will be 147 laps broken into into the three stages. First stage will conclude on lap 45. The second will end on lap 90, and that leaves 57 laps for the final run. The on-track activity, that'll kick off with practice from 3 to 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, directly followed by Comedic Gaskets pole qualifying at 3.30 Eastern both events will be covered live on FS1. So if you want to check them out, tune in to FS1.
0: Yes, thank you for that correction. I th- I believe I gave an inj- incorrect lap count on that earlier. Okay, uh, definitely looking forward uh, to this truck race and for those guys to be back on track this weekend at Darlington. They've kind of been on a, a break, a bit of a break here. Uh, but also racing this weekend is the NASCAR XFINITY Series. They're racing the Mahindra Rock Tour 200 on Saturday, May the 7th at Darlington. Uh, race should start sometime around 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will carry the pre-race coverage starting at 12.30. And uh, radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Again, they're racing 200 point one miles hundred forty seven laps and everything stays the same. The first two laps or first two stages are forty five laps each ending on lap forty five for stage one and lap ninety for stage two. Uh, the last stage of course ends on the last lap lap one forty seven uh, So uh, the purse for this race is actually one million two hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and eighty three dollars.
1: Well, we'll see what share of that the uh, Sunoco rookies think they can take. Uh, The class of 2022, (laughs) Sunoco rookies have 10 races under their belts as they head into this weekend's race at Darlington Raceway. Austin Hill has led the pack all season long and already clinched a playoff spot with his win, picking up the victory at the season opener at Daytona. He currently sits with 274 points. One win, four top fives, and four top tens. Now, not bar, far behind him is Sheldon Creed. He has 217 points and five top tens. Third right now, Kyle Sieg, 94 points. And then Jesse Awuji has 24 points.
0: Okay. Uh we're, This is a big weekend uh at Darlington because this is the weekend that uh, not only the Xfinity Series, but the Cup Series is doing this too, going big on the throwback weekend tape schemes. This weekend is a highly anticipated throwback weekend at Darlington, and the drivers in the Xfinity Series are ready to show off their schemes on the track. So uh, let's uh, kind of start from the bottom up here, Jay. I'll do the first two, and you can do the next and so on. Uh, Jeremy Clements in the number 51 Chevrolet will honor Dale Earnhardt's Wrangler Jeans car and Josh Balicki in the number 44 Alpha Pine Racing Ford is honoring Bill Elliott in
1: the number 00. We got Patrick Emerling. He's going to be driver of the number 35 Emerling Gase Motorsports Toyota. He'll throw it back to NASCAR Hall of Famer Richie Evans' modified paint scheme. And, and Jeb Burton, he's going to honor his father's uh, Ward Burton number seven or number twenty-seven Gwaltney's nineteen ninety-two paint scheme.
0: Ryan Vargas is going to team up with Monarch Racing to have his number six JD Motorsport Chevrolet resemble Jeff Gordon's nineteen ninety-nine Xfinity Series paint scheme. And then Sam Mayer, driver of the number one junior motorsports Chevrolet, is honoring Rick Mass from the early 1990s. I've seen a lot of these pictures. They're very, very good.
1: Oh, yeah. This is, you mentioned it, huge, huge weekend. Uh, you got to check these yeah. uh, schemes out. Uh, David Starr, he's going to be paying tribute to team owner and former NASCAR driver Bar- Bobby Dotter who drove the number 08 Hyde Tools car in 1995. And then from 1993, J.J. Yaley's number 66 car will resemble resemble that Country Time car. Mm -hmm. I believe that was Waltrip's back in the day.
0: Back in the day. Joe Graff, Jr. is uh, modeling his 07 SS Greenlight Racing Chevrolet after Buckshot Jones, number zero zero georgia pacific 2001 scheme and brett Moffat, driver of the 02 hour motorsport chevrolet is throwing it back to mark martin's rookie season paint scheme so that's going to be fun to see
1: well and we got some looney tunes action as josh Berry's number eight junior motorsports chevrolet that'll resemble dale earnhardt jr's 2002 looney tunes action performance car And teammate Justin Algar out of Junior Motorsports, the number seven. He'll use Chevrolet. will pay tribute, another one, to Dale Earnhardt's Wrangler Jeans car.
0: Okay. Ty Gibbs, uh, number 54, JBR Toyota. I think that should be (laughs) JGR. Toyota is going to resemble Bobby Labonte's 2002 Interstate batteries car. So, uh, boy, this is always fun to see all of these throwbacks uh in in these series and i think a few of the truck series teams do it as well uh but it's predominantly in the Xfinity and cup series
1: yeah this is a weekend you, you always look forward to the racing especially a track like darlington but this weekend really is about just as much and now here with these paint teams during this throwback weekend they, they have a blast with it go full out uh, i love to see it yes i do too
0: but Justin Algar, All right. he's, got a, he's got a plan for this weekend.
1: And he's looking his way to make his way back to Victory Lane. Now, fans haven't seen Justin Algar in Victory Lane since last year when he won the race at Darlington. While his teammate, Josh Berry, was able to cut ahead for the win this past weekend at Dover, uh, unfortunately leaving Algar in second, the roles were reversed in the 2021 Darlington Spring Race. It was Algar who took the lead from Barry with two laps to go after a back and forth battle for the lead in the final 17 laps. Uh, which leave, leaving Barry in that runner-up position. Now although it was a hard loss for Algar this last weekend at Dover, he could very well redeem himself. I'm sorry, this last weekend at Dover, he could redeem himself this weekend at Darlington Raceway, considering his history at the track too tough to tame. It seems that mile tracks are a sweet spot for the junior motorsports driver. Many thought he had a great shot at winning in Dover precisely because of his success at the track, now at two wins, 11 top fives and 15 top tens in 22 starts. The same can be said about the 1.366 mile track in Darlington. In 13 starts, he's posted one win, four top fives, and nine top tens. Now, although Algar has the skills and experience to pull off a win at Darlington, he'll likely have to fight his way to the finish line. His uh, JRM teammate, Noah Gregson, he's had a hot start to his 2022 season with two wins, seven top fives and seven top tens, and has a nice track record here at Darlington Raceway. In his five starts at Darlington, he's posted one win coming in September of 2021, three top fives and five top tens. And that's right, he's never finished worse than 8th place. Another driver who could possibly be appearing in victory lane this weekend for, is the driver of the number 39 RSS Racing Ford Ryan Sieg. Although he has yet to post a series win, he has been towards the front of the pack all season long. In his 10 starts on the year, he has posted one top five and seven top 10. In two of the races where he didn't place in the top ten, he posted eleventh place finishes at Austin or at Phoenix and Austin. The only race where he didn't finish in or near the top ten was in Las Vegas, where he fell victim to an early crash on lap 25. He's also improved consistently at this track, too tough to tame, over the course of his Xfinity Series career. When it started as a him finishing in the middle of the pack has turned into top 10 finishes in last four races, with the exception of last year's September race, where he placed 11th. On top of that, he's been keeping up in the driver's standing, currently sitting 8th in points with 287.
0: Three big drivers to watch, for sure. Okay, now the NASCAR Xfinity Series is heading to the famously historic uh, Darlington Raceway. And that's after an action-packed race that saw Josh Berry hold off his junior motorsports teammate, Justin Algauer, by just .604 seconds last weekend at Dover Motor Speedway. Uh, The Xfinity Series uh, will be at Darlington this weekend with a race that starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can watch it on Fox Sports 1. There have been 63 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Darlington, producing 35 different winners and 29 different pole winners. 15 of the 63 Xfinity Series races were won from the pole. The most recent was Denny Hamlin, who did it in 2017. Only four former Xfinity Series Darlington race winners are entered this weekend. They include Chase Elliott, uh, who won in 2014, Brandon Jones in 2020, Noah Gregson in 2021, and Justin Algower in 2021. Uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin holds quite a few 29 Xfinity Series races. He earned eight polls, eight wins, 14 top fives, 18 top tens, and he's led 972 laps. All series records at Darlington Raceway. On track, track, action for the Xfinity Series begins Friday, May 6th, with a practice at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by a qualifying. uh, The qualifying round starting at 5:30 p.m. Eastern, and both will be aired on Fox Sports One. I might have to switch. uh, Is Chase Elliott in this race? (laughs) he's going to be be tough to beat
1: I'd have to look at the entry list uh, on that Uh, I know he's going to have a couple starts Uh, I didn't see if he was on for this weekend it says only four former
0: Xfinity Series Darlington Race Wonders are entered this weekend and uh, yeah it must be but his, his win was back in 2014 but that could have been the last time he raced in the series, so it's going to be
1: interesting. Uh, most okay. most certainly.
0: <laughs> okay, the NASCAR Cup Series Good Year 400 uh, is also at Darlington Raceway this weekend, but they'll be racing on Sunday, May the 8th, Mother's Day. Uh, the race won't start though until 3:30 p.m. Eastern Time, and pre-race coverage starts at 2 p.m. Uh, and will be. Uh, covered on Fox Sports 1, along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, Doubling up here at 400.2 miles, over 293 laps, the first stage ends on lap 90 for 90 laps, and the second stage will end on lap 185. Uh, Let's see, I think that comes up to what? Not ninety laps uh ninety five laps, and then the final stage will end on lap two ninety three and uh that will end the race,
1: well, each and every week, uh this year we would like to take a look at some head to head uh battles and matchups, if you will, so we'll go down here, I'll start at the bottom. William Byron going to go in head-to-head with Ryan Blaney, and this is just looking at two drivers to go uh, head-to-head. and find two guys that find themselves near the top of the leaderboard every week. Uh, it was down a week It was a down week for both Byron and Blaney. who both failed to unfortunately, finish on the lead lap. Now that surely won't change this week as both of these drivers look to find Victory Lane at Darlington for the first time. Byron beats Blaney with his two top fives at Darlington, but Blaney has shown that you can never count him out. Two of the top drivers in the sport, everyone expects these two to be near the top as the white flag flag flies this Sunday.
0: Okay, another couple of drivers to watch are Ricky Stenhouse Jr. versus Chris Buescher. In the next-gen car, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Chris Buescher have both shown how great of drivers that they are. Now, Busher has earned his first pole this week while Stenhouse wheeled himself to uh, a runner-up finish, his best of the season, and that was at Dover. Busher has raced very well at Darlington, though. He posted uh, two top 10 finishes in 2021. Stenhouse has also shown he has the speed to compete in his number 47 car, and he's looking to build off a robust, one of the most historic tracks.
1: And last time. Well, This one isn't the matchup I thought we'd have seen listed, but it's Ross <laughs> Jastain versus Kyle Busch. Uh, Ross has had an unbelievable season continue at Dover with a P3 third spot, and it's clear that he is a driver who will compete for the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series championship this year. Now, Kyle Busch, even with his two championships, has kind of flown under the radar this year. He easily could have had his second win of the year this week, but an unfortunate caution as he was pitting proved to be too big a setback at the Monster Mile. Now, he'll be hungry to find victory lane for the second time this season, as will Chastain, who could have his third win of the season, if not for Chase Elliott, uh, besting him on that final restart. Chastain's biggest test this year may come here at the track too tough to tame.
0: Well, okay, and our final matchup here is between Michael, Michael, Martin Truex Jr. versus Denny Hamlin. Now, Denny Hamlin may have had the faster car at Dover Speedway this past weekend, but his misfortune found him again. And as we know, it's not always the, the best car or the fastest car that ultimately wins. As Hendrick Motorsports has been starting to pull ahead this season, Gibbs Racing teammates will try to prove that they can still compete to be the best team in NASCAR. Now, dominant winners of both 2021 Darlington races, these two led 394 of 660 laps on their way to a win each. There's no better track for Hamlin and Truex to right the ship and reach Victory Lane once again. So uh we'll see if they can do it this weekend at
1: Phoenix. At Phoenix. At Darlington. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not the, we're not to Phoenix yet. We got a little ways <laughs> to go yet before we hit Phoenix. We do.
0: I had to correct myself.
1: No, you can't have go a ahead, bigger too. honorary start we can't you can't have a bigger honorary starter Uh, for the throwback weekend at Darlington, as we have NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty named to that position. Uh, It's a Darlington Raceway in Goodyear. The official tire of NASCAR announced that the Hall of Famer, uh, he went in in 2010, is a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, known as the King, Richard Petty. He'll serve as honorary starter for this weekend's Goodyear 400.
0: Okay. Okay. Now the Fab Four, former Darlington winners without victories this season, uh, and again we can go every other one here, Jay, if you want. Um, All right. A total of six former NASCAR Series Darlington Raceway winners are active this weekend, and four of them are still working, looking for their first win of the twenty twenty two season. I'll take the first, and then you can take the next. RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski also has just a single victory at Darlington Raceway in 2018. Keselowski made the jump to invest in RFK Racing, and he became an owner-driver over the off-season. In his first year with the organization, he's put up just one top-ten finish in 11 starts. Keselowski is traveling a winless streak that dates back to April 25th of 2021 at Talladega Super Speedway. Unfortunately, that's 37 races ago. Keselowski has made 16 starts at Darlington, putting up one pole, one win, five top fives, and eight. his average finish is 11.1. He finished 24th in this race last
1: year. Well, I mentioned the King Richard Petty. His Petty GMS motorsports driver, Eric Jones, won this Darlington race back in 2019, which is just his second career victory in the series. Jones is currently wrestling a winless streak that dates back to his win at Darlington, which came on September 1st, 2019. That was 94 races ago. Now, Jones this season has put up one top five and four top tens. The Byron, Michigan native has made eight starts at Del posting that one victory in 2019, four top fives and six top tens. His average finish at the 1.3666 mile track is 10.1, which is third best among active drivers. However, he did finish 18th in the race last season. We've seen him up front, so look for him to be a contender this weekend.
0: I agree. He's uh, been looking really good this year. Joe Gibb Racing, uh, Martin Truex Jr. has two victories at Donington Raceway. He won there in 16 and again in 21 uh, just this last season. Now, Truex hasn't won since September 11th of 2021 at Richmond Raceway. Uh, That was 19 races ago. And this season, Truex has amassed two top fives and five top. He's also made 19 series starts at Darlington, posting two wins. He also has four top fives and 10 top tens. His average finish at the track is 10.8.
1: Well, another one riding a long, winless streak is Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. But he's got the most victories of this group with three at Darlington, coming in 2014 and then a pair in 2020. And he hopes to make it four this weekend. Uh, He's currently riding a winless streak that dates back to September 19th of 2020 at Bristol Motor Speedway, which is a total of 54 races. Now, this season, Harvick has put up one top five and five top tens in his 11 starts. In his total, he's made 28 series starts at Darlington, collecting two poles, three wins, 12 top fives, and 17 top tens. His average finish is 12.4, and he finished sixth in the event last season.
0: Okay. Um the driver playoff outlook for the following race number 11. Uh do you want to how do we want to do this? Why don't you start with the playoff spots that are disappearing each week and then follow that up with the driver playoff outlook.
1: All right. Uh we got 15 races left in the NASCAR C- Cup Series regular season. 9 drivers have already visited victory lane this year, securing their spot in those playoffs. That leaves just seven spots open for the postseason as the series heads to Darlington Raceway for this Goodyear 400 coming up on Sunday, May 8th. Team Penske's Ryan Blaney currently has the largest points cushion at 109 up between himself and that playoff cut line, among drivers without a win uh, this season following Dover. Now, Blaney has been close, very close, uh, to winning this season. He's led 370 laps, posting four top fives and six top ten. But this weekend could be a little tricky for Blaney, as he's made ten starts at Darlington, posting just one top ten finish. His average, now on the other end, the playoff outlook uh, sits Petty, GMS driver mentioned Eric Jones. He's in the 16th and final postseason transfer spot on points, just three markers ahead of Richard Childress Racing's Austin Dillon, who's in 17th. This weekend could be a big points gainer for Jones, as Darlington is one of his best tracks we talked about. The Byron, Michigan native has made eight starts at Darlington with the one victory in 2019, four top fives, and six top tens. His average finish, uh, we talked about, a stout 10.1 on the 1.366-mile track. That's third best amongst active drivers. Now, if we look at the points with the drivers with wins locked in, right now Blaney would be shuffled down to the 10th spot, but is 109 points up from the cut line. Martin Truex would be an 11th, uh, 77 points to the good. Joey Logano, 12th. 57 points to the good christopher bell up 25 sits in 13th 14th would be eric almirola plus 24 kevin harvick's at plus 21 but he's in the 15th spot and that leaves that i mentioned eric jones in 16th and he's only three to the good now rcr right behind him. austin dillon in 17th is minus three tyler reddick couple of bad weeks for tyler unfortunately has pushed him to 18th. Only 13 points back, though. As good as we've seen uh, Trank House Racing run, uh, the finishes are, we're having some tough time here with Daniel Suarez. He's in 19th at 21 back. Chris Busher is 32 back. Kurt Busch at minus 38. Bubba Wallace at minus 48. Justin Haley's in 23rd. is at back 53. Michael McDowell is at Minus sixty one is twenty fourth. Cole Custer minus seventy three. He's been a playoff contender before. Uh, Ty Dillon minus eighty two. We talked about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He needs to turn the season around. He's minus ninety three. Corey LaJoy is at minus one hundred three. Todd Gillen minus one eleven is a rookie thirtieth. You got to be in the top thirty in points. Is Brad Keselowski at minus one twelve? Now keep in mind, Koslowski got hit with a 100 point def- uh, penalty. If not for that, he'd be 12 points out. Karen?
0: I'm here. I was on mute. Uh, I'm saying that we're going to probably go uh, Reader's Digest version here on out because we're running out of time quickly. Uh, Some have referred to this team as the Yankees of NASCAR uh, because of how dominant they've been in the Cup Series, and that's Hendrick Motorsports. With Chase Elliott's win at Dover uh, last week, it's only taken 11 races this season for all four of the Hendrick Motorsports drivers uh, to earn their spot in the playoffs. That's a series record for the fewest races for an organization
1: to have all of their
0: drivers uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Now, last year, Hendrick Motorsports combined to win 17 of the 36 races and extend their series record of championships, uh, taking home their 14th Cup Series title. This season, uh, the organization hasn't missed a beat. They've been right on top of it. Uh, All four drivers have... uh, have wins totaling five victories in 11 races. That's a 45.4 winning percentage, more than any other organization. Uh, But looking to this weekend, Henrik Motorsports has the most wins at uh, Darlington as an organization with 14 victories. Uh, Going all the way back to 1986 with Tim Richmond and, of course, uh, ending with – Uh, Mark Martin, well, their last win there was actually Jimmy Johnson, who won there in 2012. So that was their last victory. Uh, None of the Hendrick Motorsports' current roster of drivers have won in the Cup Series at uh, Darlington. Kyle Larson came pretty close, finishing second in three starts there, uh, both races in 2021 and the playoff race in 2020. Uh, but do watch for Larson to run well this weekend if Darlington in eight starts. He's put up five top fives and seven. He also leads the average uh, with average finish at 5.5 and a running position at 7.1. His driver rating is an amazing
1: 114.5. Well, we talked about it being Mother's Day. That's a rare extravaganza. For the Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway, it's just the ninth time the Cup Series has competed on Mother's Day, the last being 2007. Uh, that was Truex took the win that last season on the May 9th, becoming the seventh different driver to win on Mother's Day. I mentioned that it goes back to 2007. The previous uh, time it was done was NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who won. It was a 2007 rain delayed here from Darlington Raceway. Uh, other drivers to do it, Martin Truex, Cale uh, uh, Yarbrough, Jeff Gordon, Benny Parsons, Bob Wellborn, Buck Baker, Tim Flock, and then Buck Baker again. Uh, most of them there at uh, Darlington, but there's a couple other tracks. So it's the Talladega, South Boston, Greensboro, Orange Speedway, Arizona State Fairgrounds, and Wilson Speedway.
0: Okay. Also, uh Darrington is a historic track. It's also the perfect stage for the throwback weekend, and we've been talking about that. Uh, the historic uh, track is an egg-shaped oval. Uh, they hosted 121 Cup Series races dating back to 1950. It was built as a 1.25-mile paved super speedway in 49 and 50 and hosted the first 500-mile race uh, on the first Falls on September 4th of 1950. A total of 75 cars competed in the first event with uh, Curtis Turner winning the pole, and the race was won by Johnny Mance in a Plymouth. The race took six hours, 38 minutes, and 40 seconds to complete. Uh, talk about uh, long races. Since then, Darlington's undergone quite a few changes over the years. In 53, the track was remeasured to 1.375 miles. In 70, they reconfigured to 1.366 miles uh, following the spring race. And the track was repaved to 95. And then again, prior to the 2008 season, and over the years, the track has uh, become known amongst its competitors as the track too tough to tame. Uh, in total, uh, the 121 Cup races have produced 51 different pole winners and 51 different race winners. Five of the 51 uh, are, uh, NASCAR Cup Series Bush Light pole winners at Darlington are active this weekend. For poles, it's uh, Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch with two. Uh, dating from 2001 uh, and as l- late as 2017. William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Kaslowski from 2015 to 2019 each have one victory. Um, David Pearson leads the series in polls at Darlington with 12 from 67 through 82. And Kurt Busch from 2001 and 2013, Kevin Harvick 2014 and 17, lead active drivers in polls with two each. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. Uh, of the 51 Cup Series winners, there are six active this weekend, including Denny Hamlin with four, Kevin Harvick with three, Martin Truex with two, and then Eric Jones, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch all have three. Uh, this weekend's Goodyear 400. Uh, is uh, the track activity will begin with practice starting at 10.30 to 11.05, directly followed by the bushlight qualifying at 11.05 a.m., and both events will be televised on Fox Sports 1. We've got two other topics here. I don't know if we're going to be able to finish them. Or, no, just one other thing. So if we can do a brief, real quick, reader's digest there, that would be great.
1: All right, we no better place uh, than honoring the legends of the past and tribute to the heroes that have paved the way here for the Cup Series. You can uh, check out the NASCAR.com's 2022 Throwback Weekend Photo Gallery, NASCAR.com, and there's a link on J-Ski. Um, not just that, but on the cars on track having that distinctive look to their paint schemes the booth, Fox Sports booth, will have some NASCAR Hall of Famers join Mike Joy and Clint Boyer to call portions of the Goodyear 400. Mention the King Richard Petty. He'll be uh, up first, bringing his uh, vast knowledge to the series as the series winningest driver. He'll be in the booth during stage one of the race. And then will be Bobby Labonte during stage two. An awesome Bill from Dawsonville, Bill Elliott, will close it out during the final stage. Just so you know, all three NASCAR Hall of Famers in the booth this weekend have won at Darlington in the Cup Series. Bill Elliott had five victories, Petty had three, and Labonte had one.
0: Very cool to see that happening in the booth this weekend. Uh, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing that. I hope I get to see it because it is Mother's Day weekend. I've got a feeling I'm going to be doing a lot of things over the weekend. But we'll try to get there. (laughs) get to the races. If I don't see it on Sunday, I'll see it Saturday for sure. I mean, Monday for sure. Okay, we're ready for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. We're here at the top of the hour and uh, joining us for that, I believe this is uh, Tommy Kraft.
2: Hey, how are y'all? How have y'all been?
0: I'm doing great. It's good to have you back on our Hot Topic segment.
2: Yes, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be back home. Been busy these past few weeks.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, uh, I know Andy is planning to be here as well. He's come home from work right about uh, the time that we start Hot Topics, so uh, we'll hopefully hear from him sometime within this next half hour. Uh, okay, so uh, let's take a look at our list of Hot Topics uh, for tonight. And uh, Tommy, since you're here, we'll let you uh, come up with the first topic.
2: Well, since this throwback weekend, I've posted the link um, about an hour or so ago, but uh, have y'all seen the paint schemes for this weekend? Um, the throwbacks? I uh, just wanted to discuss uh, those a little I've bit. I've seen
0: some of them. Yeah. Did you, okay, the paint schemes for Darlington, i I'm clicking the link uh did you want to give your thoughts about uh is you're looking for us to give our thoughts about uh, our favorites is that it
2: yes ma'am just uh what's y'all's favorite throwback or did y'all have any that y'all liked in particular
0: okay okay
1: wow that's a that's a loaded question and I don't want to take up all the time picking a favorite I know they have a, a voting uh, out there, and I'm trying to think what the uh, reward is, but there is voting for your favorite. That is extremely tough because we have some seen some great ones. Sharon and I ran through some of the ones we talked about. I, as, overall, as a fan, I, I like every one of them. And I know I've said this before. Whoever came with this throwback weekend idea to uh, bolster Darlington back up, I mean, you got to put him at the top of the list of thinking outside the, i say genius because i mean this has just become such a huge event and looked forward to uh obviously some of my favorites i know somewhere out there is the darrell waltrip mountain dew number 11 uh big birth i believe it was called so that's a personal favorite to me as far as mountain dew uh, but i also like jeff gordon uh the one of jeff gordon's
0: Okay, Andy is here now. First of all, Andy, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you back.
3: Yeah, thanks. I know it's been uh, it's been quite some time, so thankful that it finally worked out tonight. Uh, how's everybody doing?
0: We're doing great. We're talking about the uh, fantastic paint schemes uh, that are set up for Darlington, uh, and Tommy put a link over on our Hot Topics thread uh, if you want to check that out, but I suspect I know what your favorite one
3: is (laughs) of course you know and I think it's probably yours as well um yeah it's uh I mean Harrison Burton throwing it back to his father um which specifically was the 2000 X I batteries paint scheme um just talking specifically about this year but that one obviously uh throws it back to to the heyday of Jeff Burton when he was winning races and contending for championships and Obviously a longtime fan of his, it's really fun to see that paint scheme back on the track, not only, um, you know, paying homage to, to that time frame, but also the fact that it's his own son doing so. So that's a cool one, and I think of all the, the throwbacks this year, that has to be my personal favorite.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you. <laughs> for the for the same obvious reasons, that Exide car. Uh, that Jeff Burton drove is an all-time favorite of Jeff Burton fans. And uh, to have Harrison Burton, his son, uh, run that car this weekend at Darlington, uh, is it's at the heartstrings of all of Jeff Burton for fans. So that definitely is my favorite one for sure. So, But I also like, I have to say, I also like uh, the number one of Ross Chastain. And I know we'll talk about that one later, too. Tommy, what's your favorite?
2: Oh, it's the Jeff Gordon 24 one for sure uh, that William Byron's doing, but there are so many good ones in in my opinion, and I like the one car of Chastain too, but um, I do want to hit some other ones. Um, Brad Keselowski's number six car, throwing it back to Mark Martin. Um, The 17 car, throwing back to Matt Kenseth. And I do like the eighteen M and M's Ford as well. Um earlier this year there was a they narrowed it down to four basically. Um Ernie Irvin's paint scheme with it, Ken Schrader's paint scheme with it, Sadler's paint scheme, um and uh David Gillenwin's and then uh it was Kyle Bush's first one and Ernie Irvin's one, so but There was was a good one there. And uh, I do like Ty Gibbs' 54 uh, Bobby Labonte throwback. And I like Harrison Burton's 21 throwback as well. And Kurt Busch's 45 McDonald's throwback to Bill Elliott. That's another good one. Uh, Suarez. I mean, there's just, there's a ton out there. As always. Oh, and Josh Berry's number eight throwback to Junior. I mean, there's just...
0: We should have asked so Tommy what ones. he didn't like.
2: <laughs> there really is so many good ones out there, though. <laughs>
0: there, there definitely are. I, I was just teasing you, Tommy. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us if there's more.
2: Uh, I think that was pretty much it. Those were like the the big ones because I have all these die casts and... Um, I'll bring them out one day and then show them somehow the y'all called it's crazy. So those are my favorites because I have all those <laughs> on all the
0: little cars. Okay. Jay, okay. follow up?
1: Well, yeah, that's why I said it when I started. You started with me and I said, well, I could take up the entire uh, time period here and, t- <laughs> and talk about them because there are. They're so great. What I like about it is you guys mentioned it with, with Ward Burton. Um, family members getting to do it in honor of their their family members in the case of uh, Harrison Bur- Burton um, doing one for his dad but also then some just drivers that meant something to the sport or that him personally I know there's one for Richie Evans who's a modified driver so I think it really does bring back some history too which is what I really like uh, as a fan and I mentioned I kind of like to go back in in history the memories it brings back, you, you and Andy talked about it, the side paint scheme for Jeff Burton. Uh, you know, now I'm not uh, at the top of the list of uh, Burton fan club like you two are, but that still, <laughs> I like that because that, that memory, I do remember that car and that team. So I just, I like the entire weekend. Um, two of the ones that I think maybe got the most attention, I know we got it listed as a separate hot topic, the Earnhardt Coca-Cola paint schemes from uh Japan, when they ran in Japan. Um, I did like both of those as well. Okay. Yeah, those
0: were two of my favorites and and uh the forty three Petty car I think is excellent. You brought up the Jeff Gordon number twenty four, uh that whole one. Uh you know, I'm like uh I'm like um Tommy here, I I could really mention a whole bunch of them. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I like that 99 car as well uh, for the Coca-Cola scheme. Uh, And, again, those are two of Earnhardt's uh, schemes when when they went to uh, Japan. Uh, Let's see here. I'm just scrolling through and seeing if there's any others that really hit me. Uh, Some of these are not thrown back all that far. Yeah, you've got Matt Kenseth's, uh scheme on the number 17. That's pretty cool to see. Um, there are just there's so many good ones. Uh, they've got the Hillman's, or actually they've got Napa Auto Parts on there, but uh, it almost looks like the Hillman's uh, car to me. Uh, let's see. I'd say those are my favorites. I guess Dommage to Menards is good. The number two car, I like that. Uh, that reminds me of Paul Menard quite a bit. Um, a lot of really good ones. So, Tommy, you get the final word there. What What are the other ones you want to make sure you mention?
2: Well, my favorite is definitely the Jeff Gordon 24 one, but the 54 Ty Gibbs, Bobby Labonte one is a good one too. Um, and the Bill Elliott, Kurt Busch throwback, and I do like Roush in the 17 and six I would say and uh the one in 99 they nailed it too they they killed it but yeah uh, Darlington's awesome I love how to do the throwbacks every year um I feel like every year you know you just get so many good ones last year it was the uh nine Hooters car and the seven um the ZRX, I believe for Alan Kawicki that Corey Lejoy did they nailed it last year but um Every year, they just I feel like they bring more and more good ones uh, to the table, and I mean they do it across all three series now. So, I mean, I'm gonna have to go down there and see a race because I'm actually not far from Darlington here in North Carolina. So, I need to make my way. It's probably only like a two or three hour drive, so I definitely need to check that out. Okay, Uh,
0: Tommy, just a quick question: Where are you seeing the 54? Or type, yeah, because I don't see them yet. Uh,
2: it's on the, um, if you scroll past the NASCAR, it shows the Xfinity Series. Once you get past oh, the Xfinity 99. Oh,
0: Xfinity Series?
2: hmm And then if you keep okay. on scrolling past that, you'll see oh, the I shark. See. Yeah, that's what okay. one, Okay,
0: I'm seeing it now. Okay, I see these Xfinity Series <laughs> ones. And they've got some truck series ones here, too, that I missed. Didn't see that 54. Oh, yeah, that's definitely Bobby Labonte's car, <laughs> that number 54. Yeah. I just hadn't seen it yet, so I wanted to see it.
2: Yeah, they nailed that one, too.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, so let's uh, go on to the next hot topic. Sandy, you're here now, so I'm going to let you go next
3: yeah sounds good let me just uh scroll through here and pick um kind of an important one actually william byron signs a three-year contract extension with hendrick motorsports which certainly solidifies uh his future but also i think helps solidify the future of hendrick motorsports curious what everyone's thoughts are there
0: okay uh jay go ahead
1: Well, if you didn't see this coming, uh, you got to be blind. I I really didn't uh, have any worries or doubt about it. There was never even any question of it being delayed. It just uh, waiting for it to be announced. Uh, And Andy's right. uh, I know Mike said the same thing. Right now, we look at it, this may be the best four-car operation Hendrick Motorsports has ever had. And they all have quite the future left with them. In NASCAR, if they so choose, so um, good on them. Uh, I like to see it. We've seen William Byron certainly uh, finally, I guess, if you will, coming into his own. We talked about that. It maybe takes that time. You get one victory, you're going to see him start getting knocked down left and right. And I think we're starting to see that from William Byron in the top five every week. So uh, you're smart to get him signed and locked up.
0: Okay, Tommy.
2: Yeah, um, they are stacked. I mean, so William Byron and Chase Elliott are set. They're they're good for another three, four years, I think. And Bowman and Larson are up next year, I believe, if I saw that right on um, Twitter today. So, yeah, Byron and Elliott aren't going anywhere. And I am excited to see that 24 car winning again because – that 24 car was my favorite growing up, Jeff Gordon. So, just glad to see it. And he's not going anywhere because I'm starting to like him since he's starting to win. Um, I do like Chase Elliott still, too, because that was the original replacement to the 24 car. And it's Bill Elliott's son. So, I mean, stacked all the way around. Um, Larson and Bowman. But, you know, Bowman backs into those wins. But, uh <laughs> Just kidding, um, <laughs> he uh, he's he's good. Larson's, you know, he's great. And Jeff Gordon's vice president now. I mean, check and is what he is. They've got great crew chiefs for all four of their drivers. I mean, they are stocked. They they're definitely the best team now. All they need to do is get Ross Chastain, and then they'll be really set.
0: Yeah, the only thing I can add. Uh, because you're right, it's not just the drivers. They're stacked in internally as well. When you think about Chad Kness, uh being the director of competition, you've got uh, <laughs> Jeff Gordon there now as a, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, VP at, uh, at Hendrick Motorsports and, and four just amazing drivers uh, that are young, and I think they've got a long career ahead of them uh, going with Go- Hendrick Motorsports. So uh, this new car seems to favor them, uh, and they're doing very well with it. And it didn't take them long to get it figured out and, and to start winning races. So uh, I think I think it was a good choice, and certainly expected. Andy, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, not a big surprise. I mean, obviously, William, looking at, you know, his past success before the Cup Series, it was obvious that he was destined to become a successful Cup Series driver. May have been a little bit slow to start, but I think that's the case with a lot of different drivers. But there's been no doubt in, you know, the last year or two that he's been very successful, won races. He's one of only two winners this season alone that have won multiple races. And so. You know, it's obvious to me that, you know, he's going to be successful for the long term, and has certainly solidified his future, not only at Hendrick Motorsports but also in that 24 car. So, not a big surprise that they would get this deal done. And I think that it's important that it's a three-year deal because that that team knows exactly what they're doing, long term. And when you know that, um, you don't have to worry about job security. You don't have to worry about contracts. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen the following year. And you can focus on one thing and that's winning races and championships. And I think that he and um, his crew chief Rudy Fugel have, have built a, a pretty solid chemistry, one that dates back to their truck series days. Um, it, it's a great combination between he and his crew and the team that he drives for and, I, I really think that this is this is someone that will contend for championships, multiple championships in the years to come. So certainly a deal that makes a lot of sense, not a big surprise, and it definitely solidifies uh, the future of Hendrick Motorsports, uh, certainly specifically with the 24 car, but also I think for their long-term success, um, like, like Tommy said, they've uh, certainly got a very stacked driver lineup over there. Mike talks about it all the time. And there's no doubt about that. Uh, They've got a lot of talent over there, and and this only solidifies their future. So, um, certainly a really good situation for not only the driver, the team, but also, um, you know, um, anyone involved with that 24 program moving forward. I think, you know, it's uh, certainly a good situation
1: for everybody involved. Uh,
0: Jay, a follow-up?
1: Well, Andy kind of hit on something there of a three-year deal uh, securing the future. When it comes to, and I know we don't see it like we used to, but HMS is very good at seeing and picking out talent. And we know that he's been behind William Byron. Even with a gap of going to Cowbush Motorsports and the Toyota, he was still able to bring him back to Chevrolet with uh, HMS. I, him and Chase Elliott... I understand sponsorship ties into it, and I think they paired him up uh, at the same contract length with Liberty University. But him and Chase Elliott, I think, maybe could have done even a five-year, if not longer contract. I know we don't see that very often in any sport um, anymore, but those two are ones I really thought maybe that we would have seen a longer. You know, HMS is one that's been known to make that kind of commitment to a driver. I thought him and Chase Elliott might have been ones that he would have done that for again, if not, if not a you know a long long term, but at least maybe a five year. But like I said, I know sponsorship ties in real heavy now.
0: Okay, Tommy. Yeah,
2: just excited to see that he uh, signed. He's got two great paint schemes with uh, that twenty-four um, reverse rainbow or whatever you want to call it because it's not the original rainbow, but he did it differently. And then his Liberty paint scheme this year with the Flames is really good. And now he's got that great throwback this weekend. So um, glad that he's going to be st- uh, sticking with Hendrick Motorsports and uh, his crew chiefs. They have been able to win some races. Um, so I think he's about to take off and hopefully we see uh, the 24 car back in victory lane a lot and a championship contender. And um, they've already got the fan favorite and Chase Elliott, too. They got Kyle Larson, the defending champion, and they got Bowman. So, I mean, they are just stacked all the way around. They're set. And, um, yeah, excited to see William Byron stay in that 24 car.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it, too. One of the things I love about William Byron is that he's a late bloomer of sorts, Uh, He got into racing when he was a teenager through the iRacing venue, did extremely well, and now he's racing for Hendrick Motorsports, one of the better teams in the sport, and uh, a three-year extension. Honestly, I think a three-year extension uh, is generous uh, at this stage and, and with the way sponsorship is right now. Uh, I think three years is a long contract. A lot of these teams are signing one-year contracts uh, for a lot of these drivers. So three years seems like, uh, you know, three times that. And it seems like it's a lot. Um, so I think it's it's good uh, that uh, they have the eye that they have for the talent that they have, and, and they're doing great. So that's about all I can add <laughs> to the story here. So. Uh, Jay, we'll go to you for our next top topic. Well, uh,
1: long term, let's talk about long term of history. Let's talk about the NASCAR Hall of Famers that got elected here recently. Uh, we had mm-hmm. Matt Kenseth, Kurt Shalmerdeen, and Herschel McGriff. Uh, Shalmerdeen and Kenseth fell under the modern era. uh sorry, McGriff as the, can't think of what it's, past era, previous era. And then Mike Helton as uh, under the – and I'm drawing a blank now. I didn't read it, what the the category he fell under.
0: He's uh, crew chief. Um, okay, uh, Tommy, you want to go first?
2: Well, it's awesome to see Matt Kenseth get in um, already. I feel like he just retired, like, a year or so ago, I mean, he replaced Kyle Larson in that 42 car, so crazy that he's already going in there that quickly, but uh I mean, Bobby Labonte's in, so is Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon, so only a matter of time before Jimmy Johnson's in there, if he's not already a junior. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just awesome to see the guys that I've watched for the last 20 years going to hall of fame already it's crazy um but they're definitely up there i mean matt Kenseth won a ton of races i remember that 17 d car winning a lot of races and then he went to joe gibbs in the 20 dollars general car and toured up in that too so um just crazy to see him going in there and I'm I'm not familiar with Herschel McGriff but I do know that that Kirk Schumberdin guy is a uh he was a crew chief for somebody uh, I can't remember but I've I've read about it and I've I've heard about who he is and um then for Mike Helton obviously I remember him um he used to run NASCAR so it's just crazy to see some of those people you know going into the hall of fame
0: Andy. Well, not. Oh, did you have something
2: yeah, more, I was, Tommy? Oh, uh, obviously. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, um, kind of hits
3: home how long uh, I've been watching this. Like what Tommy said, you know, to see Matt Kenseth go in. Um, uh, when I started watching, it was only his uh, second season in the Cup Series, <clears throat> so obviously had a long long career, but a very successful career. Um, a, a cup series champion, certainly very deserving, uh, to be voted into the hall of fame. Um, you know, definitely, uh, someone that, uh, has earned his right to be there. Um, McGriff a name that I'm certainly familiar with, but don't really know his history. I know that that dates back to some of the early beginnings of NASCAR, but, Obviously had a successful career. And then Kurt Schellmerding is extremely happy to see that. He had a very um, successful career as a crew chief. When I actually started watching the sport in the early 2000s, he was driving back then. He was an older driver. Um, but his his real big success came as a crew chief back in the uh, the 80s and I think the 90s. Um, to your question, Tommy, he won uh, at least one possibly more championships as a crew chief for Dale Sr., that's that's where he had a lot of success at and why he's earned his right to yeah, get into the Hall of Fame. So certainly cool to see that, uh, very deserving for, for everybody involved, and um, certainly uh, that's the pinnacle of it all when you get to the Hall of Fame.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I was familiar with all of the uh, people that they talked about. Mike Helton, certainly deserving. I was happy uh, for him. I, I'm happy for all of the drivers that <laughs> – are in this class for that matter. Uh, But uh, I know that there was some thoughts when uh, Pat Kinseth was originally uh, nominated, which was just this year. Uh, A lot of people thought he he would probably not go in uh, this quickly, but I agree with you guys. I think that he's very deserving of going in, not only for his career, but for the significance of the fact that he hey. is uh, the, am I on mute? No. Okay. Uh, but for the fact of his uh, significance in bringing in the chase format, which we now call the playoffs, uh, that that pretty much was put into place after Matt, Matt Kinseth uh, only had the one victory. Uh, but that's Matt Kinseth. Kinseth is a consistent driver. Uh, he does have a lot of wins, uh, but his thing was consistently being there at the end of the race and having a good finish. Matt Kenseth knew how to take care of his car, uh, and and uh, I don't think he's being elected into the Hall of Fame too soon. Uh, I think he was a, a good driver, and he does have some historical significance to a big thing that happened in NASCAR with bringing in the playoff, uh, what was formerly known as the chase, into uh, just the way that we do business now uh, within the NASCAR Cup Series. So um, I, I, I am happy with all of them. Herschel McRib, I did know about. I've heard his name a lot within the k and Pro Series, uh, now the Arca Menard Series. Uh, and specifically with the West Series, uh, they mentioned in the in the news release that he's 90 years old. I don't think I knew he was that old, because uh, I I remember him racing. Uh, I think when was it that they said that he raced last? Um, they mentioned it in here. Oh, and I have to make my announcement too. It
1: was I was just going to say, um, Sharon. Yeah, keep an eye on the time. Yeah.
0: Uh, he raced last in the Pro Series West at age 90. <laughs> He's 94 now. So, you know, that's pretty cool, too. Uh, so let me just say, though, for those people that are tuning in for the first time, uh, we make an announcement at this time of the night to say we're going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. uh Eastern Time tonight. However, we're going to continue the rest of our conversation, and we'll record that conversation, and it will be available as part of our podcast. So I'll go out on Twitter when we're done and let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point or sometime tomorrow or whenever, you can go and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation, again, as part of our bonus overtime material on the podcast. So again, I didn't want anybody to be caught off guard uh wondering how you can hear the rest of the conversation when we go off air uh mid sentence. So uh just uh we appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh we'll go kind of move on here. But yeah, I've heard Herschel McGriff's name quite a bit in, in the uh in the uh CNN n series. And he has a ton of records. And some of those records still hold up. But every once in a while, you'll hear his name that somebody has uh, bested that record. And it's taken years for that to happen. So uh, he's, he's been a great driver. And I love the story about his first war. He said, I started when they didn't have go-karts. We just drove streetcars right after World War II, September 16th of 1945, I ran my first race on a dirt track and borrowed my dad's 1940 Hudson and got a couple of friends to help me, and we finished 12th or 13th. So I thought that was cool. And then the other thing that I thought was cool in the press release is Matt Kenza talking about how he has a different perspective of his career being in the thick of things during his career and then being away from racing for a few years and how he looks back on his career. And he pretty much says you don't really think about those things. Uh, Let me see if I can find the thoughts. Uh, When you're in the middle of it, I don't know if it's a good habit or a bad habit, but it always seemed to work for me. Uh, You agonize over the losses and mistakes a lot more than the successes and the wins. Uh, and he has, unfortunately, uh, and the longer he's been away from it, uh, he still thinks of those moments, uh, but uh, he, he starts to change his focus on some of the things that did go right and how extremely fortunate he was to have so many great race teams, crew chiefs, sponsors, and owners, and every, everybody that helps. To make it happen, giving him a chance to be successful. So I thought that was really great insight uh, from a driver that's been retired for a little bit, and how he looked at his <laughs> his success and failures uh, during the during his uh, career, and uh, recognizing the good fortune that he had now. Uh, so Jay, I'm going to go to you next.
1: Yeah, it was so hard to not talk about this earlier when we were just going over who the uh, finalist in selection was. I mentioned Mike Helton. As I said, I saw him as the face of NASCAR, and especially mentioned to not be the first one to hold the position of president outside of the France family. Uh, and I thought he did a tremendous job of carrying this sport. What, uh, I know we read what was it he's been involved over five decades at different levels. So to see that, uh, very, very deserving. Kirk Shelmerdine and, and Herschel McGriff, both obviously their contributions to this sport can't be matched. Um, Andy mentioned Kirk Shelmerdine. I do remember seeing him as a driver, uh, picking up several victories there in the Arkham Yard series, uh, as we, we talked about it earlier. Matt Kenseth. Here's the one where I have... And I don't want to say an issue. As I said, everybody that that is nominated and is put forth before this board is deserving. I don't know if I see him as the first ballot, you know, the first year eligible to to have received it, especially with the number of votes that that he had. Now, with what we read about him, one thing I looked at, and Sharon talked about first off, you're right, he changed racing um, essentially with his consistency. Uh, he may not been the the flashy winning every week um and not flashy as a person you know as a whole but the consistency the one victory bringing him the 2003 championship is what finally the NASCAR changed the the play the, the way they de- decided their champion by going through initially that was called the chase where we started the 10 races and that determined it and it evolved into the playoff system we have today So, yeah, there's that. But also looking through his record, uh, a very consistent and solid driver, but he had victories in the crown jewel event. And that's one of the things that I think maybe did put him over the top as far as a first-year ballot uh, or first-year-on-the-ballot winner Um, because the crown jewels are that for a reason. You talk about the Daytona 500, the Darlington 500, those and the Coca-Cola 600, which is now the – There's still the Coca-Cola 600, sorry, used to be the World 600. Those are the hard ones to win, and he has picked up victories in all of them. So I I see where that may may have been the tipping factor. And if you know anything about Matt Kenseth, uh, flying under the radar, uh, just like his sense of humor, they call it dry sense of humor, you have to Mm -hmm. understand him and know him. And that's just who he was. So, you know, you can't hold that against him um, as far as not being that flashy personality, kind of like Jimmy Johnson.
0: Okay. Tommy, did you have anything you
2: wanted to add? Yeah, just excited to see Matt Kenseth. And uh, I do remember reading now that uh, Dale Earnhardt's crew chief was uh, that Kirk guy that got into, so that's really cool. But uh, I'm always going to remember Matt Kenseth for uh, moving Jeff Gordon out of the way um, at Bristol or accidentally spinning him and then Jeff Gordon shoving him when Matt Kenseth uh, came to talk to him. And then my other favorite Matt Kenseth moment, well there's actually two more. Um the incident where he jumped in between the haulers, I think, and went after Brad Kislowski, <laughs> I believe. And then also when he um totaled Joey Logano's car at Martinsville. That was uh that was another awesome thing. But he has thirty nine wins, I believe, a championship and he does have a five hundred win. And I did not realize that he had Coca-Cola 600 at Darlington Wins, but uh, that doesn't surprise me because that 17 D-Wall paint scheme from like 03, 04, and that number $20 general car, uh, it saw Victory Lane a lot. So um, awesome to see him go in the Hall
3: of Fame. That's
0: really cool. Okay, Andy
3: yeah, just to follow up on on Kurt Shelmerdine a little bit, he was actually uh, a four time Cup Series championship crew chief with Dale Earnhardt. so certainly a very deserving award for him. Um, I think he had actually been on the ballot previously and didn't get in. Um, so obviously fitting to see somebody obviously with a with a with four championships on their resume finally get voted into the hall of fame. is pretty cool. Um, certainly a lot of success with Earnhardt back in the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties. And so, um, just wanted to touch upon that real quick, but I I knew he was a championship crew chief. I didn't realize it was four, which is a lot. So, uh, certainly anyone with those credentials belongs in the hall of fame.
0: Yeah. Uh, what I think is kind of cool about Kirk Schalmerdeen, not only did he have tremendous success uh, with uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt. Uh, he, he, he was a crew chief in 1983 uh, with Ricky Rudd. He also uh, had a lot of success at Richard Childress Racing, where he met up with uh, Dale Earnhardt uh, and won all those championships. But he also, what I really like about him is at age 34, he left his role as a crew chief, uh, to try his hand at driving. He made 41 starts across the uh, three series. He also raced in 50 Arkham Menard Series races uh, from 93 to 2008. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he, he really uh, did a lot besides the crew chiefing and saw Mardine and his career. And then I was going to bring up Mike Helton, but Jay kind of beat me to it. Uh, Mike Helton being named to the NASCAR presidency and the first person not named, uh, uh, not a part of the heritage of the France family uh, to be named into the presidency in 2000. Uh, So that is so very cool as well. And then he started his career uh, as a public relations director at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, Again, these guys, some of these guys did so many other things besides uh, their racing careers. Um, uh, and, and the fact that safety was such a big concern of his, he, he was the impetus behind the NASCAR Research and Development Center at, at uh, Concord, um, uh, and now an advisor to the sanctioning body, uh, and being so involved in the NASCAR Foundation. Uh, I think Mike, Mike Helton is a presence, uh, created his own presence within NASCAR and no driver wanted to be called to the hall or, uh with a conversation with Mike Helton. They knew it was going to be uh, a very serious conversation if they were called to the hall or to talk with him. So uh, I, I think all four of these guys are great. One thing to keep in mind, Matt Kenseth uh, led the modern era vote with 69% uh, 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 voting, uh, by the panel. Uh, also, uh, let's see, comparing that with the others. Uh, let me see if I can get it here. Uh, I don't see the other percentages here for some reason. Herschel McGriff, they said, oh, I don't see the other percentages here, but he had the highest percentage of votes. And I think that's worth noting as well that, uh, of all of the people that are in this class, uh, Matt Kenseth does have that highest percentage. Okay?
1: Two things to to, to add here on the return. You know, Dave Moody is one of the voting members that talks about it. When you go in there and you talk about this, and a lot of that is is, is discussion of the history of it and why they deserve to be in It's not a matter of eliminating who doesn't deserve to be in. It's who's the most deserving at this point. And and he talks about it's one of the toughest things he has to do. Uh, And I would have to agree with that, just as we talked about, you know, picking a favorite paint scheme or whatever. That's based on just personal decisions, so it's a little bit easier. This is, you know, based on, and, and you hit it, Sharon, it is contributions to NASCAR. So it isn't just necessarily about wins. It's not just about championships it is the contribution to and what you brought to the entire sport. So, uh very tough job, uh, you know, no doubt. And I'm happy to see Matt in. Uh I've always, uh, you know, been a, been a fan of his as a driver, you know, kind of some of it maybe personal preference coming out of Wisconsin where he was from, but um very deserving. Like I said, it just kind of surprised me that he was a first-year uh winner. Um, you know, one's with seven championships, Jimmy Johnson. You expect that. I would not have expected Matt Kenseth to go in as a first-termer, um, but I'm happy that that he did. The other thing, and uh, I don't think Tommy, you're alone
0: in that, Jay.
1: <laughs> what's that?
0: I don't think you're alone in that Todd.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, anybody that's up and eligible is deserving and you know has justification. It's just a matter of how it stacks up and compares to others, so. The uh, the other thing I said earlier, you know, the tipping factor was maybe winning the crown jewel event. Tommy brought something up. Uh, I don't know from the media perspective, but Sharon, you might not like me for this one, but the taking out of Joey Logano. I thought that was some skilled driving. He pinned him up against the wall and only Joey got taken out. I thought that was some excellent driving. He picked the right spot in the corner and nobody else was affected by it. So I Maybe that tipped some fans in his favor. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, you're killing me, Smalls. I'll let that be the last word. Uh, and, Tommy, we're back to you. Did you have another topic you wanted to discuss?
2: Uh, let's go with the uh, tire falling off um, continuously and the whole Denny Hamlet situation with the tire as
0: well okay uh
1: let's go uh let's see I guess it's Jay up next all right this this one i mean it's kind of been' I've been looming here since the beginning of the season uh and i my perspective has kind of changed after listening to several broadcasts on serious x m The rule of it itself was designed under the five lug nut rule where teams were shorting or possibly being the cause of it by only tightening three out of five lug nuts. They weren't as concerned. Obviously, right now, the team wants to get that tire, that lug nut on because it is the only lug nut. So there is no intent to not get it on. Uh, I think maybe they do need to look at this. However, on the other side of it, then, is the safety factor, which is a big part of why they don't want the tires coming off, is a safety factor, so I still think it needs to be addressed. But I don't know that you can put it on the team. And I'm hearing a lot of chatter that to see what comes out of Denny Hamlin's appeal, that the, that it's not lining up properly. The only thing I that I can counter that with is if that were the case, we'd see it happen to every team on every tire, every stop, and we're not. It's still selected spots. So. You know, you can't just say oh it doesn't work because it does on majority of the teams, on majority of the cars, on the majority of the pit stops. So, but I do think NASCAR needs to look into what is causing it when it happens, if there is something they can do to help improve it or um, help it work better. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this appeal process goes, Um, but. I do think maybe two of them maybe need to look at the the penalty itself, because it is not, obviously, at this point that it is an intentional thing. Uh, If you only got one lug nut, you want to make darn sure it's on there. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And let me just say before we move on, there's actually two different topics on this. Uh, They're for the same infraction, uh, the loss of a wheel on the track. Uh, But the ones being appealed by Denny Hamlin – and his team, that appeal is about who they're uh, taking out of uh, competition uh, because there was a little discrepancy over what was listed uh, as far as true members and what was, uh, who they took out of the, out of the equation uh, because of the violation. Uh, and I think they're going to appeal it based on that and NASCAR uh, is saying they, uh, it, NASCAR is saying that they took the name of the person that was listed as the crew member uh, on their paperwork, and they're saying that they made a substitution. So I think that has to be looked at. Uh, but I'll get into that in a few minutes. The other situation is uh, JGR is also uh, – planning to appeal their suspension of crew members. Uh, and according to Bob Pockris, uh they're saying it was a gun mal- malfunction that resulted in the net fouling out of the socket. And because they must use the guns that are issued, they should not be penalized. Um, uh, like a team isn't penalized for adjustments to some field parts when under impound. So those just to make sure that we know those are two separate situations both are being uh have penalties both are appealing but they're appealing for separate reasons Uh, i just wanted to make sure we made that clarification so andy your thoughts
3: okay so i mean jay really hit on a lot of the, the key points there um it's unfortunate that this happened but the rules are the rules if a tire comes off it it results in a four race suspension for the crew chief the the jack man and one of the tire changers involved it, it it is what it is and you know obviously i would totally agree that you know perhaps they can learn why this happened and determine how they can improve upon processes moving forward however something happened that it caused the the tire to come off. Whether it was a, a a pit gun problem or not, who knows. But the fact is, you know, it's the job of the pit crew to ensure that the tire is secure before leaving Pit Road. And the fact is the tire came off before he even left Pit Road. So clearly, you know, something was wrong before they even left their pit box. So you know, and that's the responsibility of the crew to to ensure that everything's okay before they leave the pit stall. So, something happened there. You know, whether it was the team's fault or not, I don't know. So, I, I certainly don't want to place blame on any one particular thing. Certainly, they'll go back and look at the footage and determine what exactly happened. It's unfortunate. You don't like to see that happen, but I, I would agree with Jay when he says that more often than not, teams have been getting it right on pit road so i'm not really sure there's a major problem here but we said before the season started one of our first shows of the year that there would be growing pains and that we would see issues arise as teams continued to learn this car learn these new pit procedures and and try to perfect this and and this is you know we're still early in the season we're only about a third of the way, if that, into the season. So you're still going to see growing pains. You're still going to see things happen. So um, it's unfortunate, but I I don't really know that they have much of an argument for winning this appeal. I think that it is what it is. They need to serve their penalty and, and learn how to uh, eliminate those kinds of things happening moving forward.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree uh, that – Uh, you know, this is a big safety issue. If you don't get the tire on correctly, um, you should be stopping that car from getting off a pit road. You should never let that car leave. And I think that's where NASCAR is going to uphold the penalty. You know, I don't know all of the facts. There might be some other circumstances that I'm not aware of here. But I, I still think, like, Andy says it's still their responsibility to make sure that the tire is securely uh, put together. If they had a faulty pit gun, then they they should be identifying that. And again, we've said before even with the lug nuts, uh, they need to make sure they have the the right equipment in the pit when the race starts. So uh, I understand that sometimes unforeseen things can happen, but there should be a backup pit gun <laughs> that's available. Um, and, and again, the bottom line is, is that it's a pit crew's responsibility to make sure that that car is race-ready when it leaves that pit stall. And if it's not res- race-ready, then there is a breakdown in their process that they need to examine and and try to get better for the for the future um and again if it's a faulty pick gun then they need to take that back to the vendor to find out what happens so that they can be better at making sure that they have the correct pick guns but um you know all of the other drivers are using the same uh, all of the other teams are using the same pick guns so uh, you know, what happened there to make that pick and not operate correctly. In the case of the situation um, with the uh, teams, that has to be looked at because NASCAR should be informed if they're making uh, team changes. Uh, if you've submitted a roster, I think that there's a vulnerability here of teams uh, putting incorrect names on the roster just for this reason. Um, So NASCAR really needs to look at a process that updates that list and makes it current when it is submitted uh, with no substitutions or uh, a process of knowing when substitutions are happening so that they can uh, put the penalty on the correct person. I see it as a loophole right now where teams could really play games with that and submit any name on that list uh, and pick a person that is insignificant to their team uh, to be the one that's going to be getting the penalty. So that I do think NASCAR needs to look at and make sure they get that right uh, because that's that's not a good thing. Um, uh and I do think that they have to look at that one. Uh, now, I'm sure that'll be discussed. I think the penalty should still stand. I, I, I but I do think that that uh, process needs to be looked at. So, Tommy, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, the, Denny Hamlin's definitely. They're probably not going to win the appeal. Um, it just doesn't trend that way with NASCAR. Um, I understand why NASCAR can't change the rule, but I just do think that it seems kind of unfair because every race this year, a wheels has come off for somebody. So I just don't really see how the rule is. I mean, it is what it is, but I don't know, it just doesn't add up to me because the tires keep on coming off. There's one every race, if not two. Um, and you know, it's been a a bunch of different drivers have been affected by Bubba, Denny, Corey LaJoy, um, I mean, uh, Justin Haley. uh, So, but you can't change the rule, and I understand that because it wouldn't be fair if they did change the rule because the guys that have already been penalized won't get that back. So, I mean, I get it, but. I was just saying that uh, you know, like you guys are saying, NASCAR does need to look at it because it seems to be an ongoing issue. So, but um, new car, new tire is going to be like that. But like I said, it just doesn't seem fair the, the penalty.
1: Jay. Yeah, that was something in the chat. Mike and I had kind of talked about. Yeah, you can't even if they decide that the the penalty doesn't really fit. I don't think you can t- change that mid season because you can't unpenalize the teams that have already been penalized. So it would be something of into next year down the road. Uh, the one thing um, I wanted to make sure I hit on, again, of listening to Sirius XM Radio as I do throughout the day, the. Suspending of, of crew members Okay, first off Part of the reason for the confusion On who, you mentioned it, Who they had listed as The tire changer Versus the who it actually was The substitution The way they do pit stops now Has changed as well Where you change the, the right side Rear, front and rear So there's a couple of things that come into play As to why that got a little Confusing and muddled Um, but if the team submits a roster and that's who they had listed, then so be it, that's who it is. The, the thing that got brought up in counter to that, as far as the penalty of suspending crew members, if you think about it, some of these teams have very deep rosters and are prepared, but the, the five, six dryer members that are out there changing the tires are the best. That's why they're out there. If a mistake was made and it's a safety issue, you're going to take them away and bring in somebody that's not as experienced or the best of the best because they're obviously a backup or the next in line. Are you not kind of creating a bigger safety hazard, uh, you know, by having that next one in line be the one to come in? So that's something else that I think maybe does need to be looked at as far as that.
0: Okay, Andy? Andy?
3: Uh no real follow up to this one. I think I'm good
0: okay uh yeah i i um I, I hear your point jay uh but again, I think they have to they do a lot of cross training uh and a lot of these guys there is somebody that's uh designated backup for somebody, not only for if somebody's suspended but if somebody gets sick or has a family. Uh, emergency or something like that. They've got to have a backup for that person. So my guess is that these guys have been trained. They might not have the same level of experience. Uh, and maybe they rotate these teams. I don't know. In some cases, I think they might rotate some of the teams. Uh, but, uh, uh, again, uh, as far as the um, – Pit gun goes and the number of incidents that have happened. I really want to talk about that one. Uh, you're right. It happens. It's happened to a lot of different people, a lot of different races. It's one or two teams that are having it. That's the growing pains that we're talking about, about these teams. Uh, and this new pro- new uh, way of doing the pit stops with the one lug nut versus the five uh with the new car and all of that. that that is the growing pains uh and these guys just have to keep perfecting their craft and getting better at what they're doing um and and again being responsible for the equipment that they're using uh on the track so uh i think that that's uh that's about all I wanted to add Tommy you get the last word
2: I don't really have much to add either besides Danny's probably not going to win this appeal.
0: Yeah, I don't think either one of them will. Okay, uh, we're at 10 o'clock now, so I think we're ready to uh, call it a night. Uh, we'll start our roundtable here, and Andy, will let you go first.
3: Yeah, uh, Twitter for me, is CB14Fan, and uh, as always, thankful to be on. I know it's been a while, so good to be on tonight to talk some uh, racing, and... Um, Looking forward to Darlington this weekend. Always uh fun to watch throwback weekend. And it's one of my favorite tracks. I think they always put on a really good show as far as the racing's concerned. So uh should be a good one.
0: I agree. Uh, Tommy.
3: Tommy
2: underscore C 24 on Twitter. Uh, thanks for having me back on the show tonight. Uh, enjoyed it. It's always fun talking hot topics and, uh, yeah, I'm excited for Darlington, too. Um, always love Back weekend. Can't wait to see the cars on the track again.
0: Jay.
1: Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Mopar mj 8 Twitter and Instagram, Michael Hoosman on Facebook. Um, one thing I want to shout out here, I know we got the group here, a couple of us need to watch the truck series for our race picks for Fantasy Group. Kind of got to have an eye on the drop of the green flag. Uh, get a couple picks in. I'm trying to message everybody. I can't reach Sam, um, and I don't want anybody to be left out. So check your inboxes on Twitter as is where I've been doing that. Um, hopefully this weekend, uh, Saturday night, I'll be at the Columbus Speedway again, the baddest bull ring in the south. Right now I hear the precipitation outside. So if not, I will be in the house where it's dry and watching – not just for the racing but to see the paint schemes uh that's what this weekend is about for sure is, is those paint schemes
0: mm-hmm, definitely uh and i echo that from everybody i'm looking forward to this it is uh, one of the fun ones uh fun tracks that we go to every year and uh everybody looks forward to seeing all those schemes out there on the track uh, i am Dan for racing psych on twitter fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else, including Fan4Racing.com, where you can find our podcast uh, player and listen to uh, our radio show. Uh, and uh, it's always fun uh, talking NASCAR, ARCA, and short track racing with this group uh, and all of our Fan4Racing members. Uh, but tonight, specifically, Jay Huseman uh, Tommy Kraft and Andy Lasky. We appreciate you guys being on the show. And uh, I have missed uh, you guys being on the show the last couple of weeks. So we're happy to have you back. Uh, big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We always appreciate you guys. And uh, I mentioned earlier we had uh, Tommy Kraft, not Tommy Kraft, we had uh, Christian Rose on the radio show on Monday night as our guest. Uh, This coming Monday we have Joe Graff Jr. coming on board and uh, definitely looking forward to chatting with him as well. Uh, So if you haven't heard the conversation with Christian Rhodes, that was on our Monday night show. Go back and and check that out. Uh, And uh, with that, uh, again, a thank you to our listeners, and I can't wait for the racing weekend at Darlington.
1: So we're ready to call it in our Sh- guys. Sharon, oh. can I jump in one last second? Sure. Uh, I want to wish you—I uh, know you're one—happy uh, Mother's Day. I didn't want to; I thought maybe you were going to do it in your final spiel, and I didn't want you to sound conceited or anything. But I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day, as well as all mothers out there. Uh, it is Mother's Day weekend on uh on Sunday, so happy Mother's Day. Well, happy Mother's Day you. Karen.
0: I, <laughs> I thank you you guys. I really appreciate it. Uh and uh I know your days are coming up here <laughs> uh
1: uh with Father
0: Day right around the corner in in June. But uh uh you know, there's nothing better than being a mom. And uh I appreciate the well wishes. So, uh, again, everybody enjoy their uh, weekend and Mother's Day, and uh,
1: we'll see you on the other side. Good night.
0: Have a good night. Good night.